Just wait until I learn how to use this channel strip and get my big bottom going. Hello and welcome to episode number 151 of Grumpy Old Benz for Monday, April 12th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we have plenty of barbecue. Maybe we should grab a bottle of 151. And from America's left coast, where's found the greatest voice in podcasting history. I'm Ryan Bemrose. (laughs) Do you think the new microphone really elevated you to that status now? Oh, I'm not even talking about me. Oh, we, uh, we are talking or, you know, we, this is the first day that we are experiencing the brand new, uh, the, the benefits of the Bemrose microphone fund. This is, I'm now podcasting on a new microphone. We'll talk about, but no, I was referring to our guest for this show, Larry, fucking Larry from <laughs> that Larry show. Yes. An official, <laughs> not, not just a guest, but an official grumpy old men's a host because you've been on more shows than anybody but me or Bemrose. So, I mean, that, that puts you right up on the list and thanks again for joining us, Larry, to Thank celebrate you. two years. Did you think we were going to make it two years? Really? You I be absolutely honest. did. I absolutely did. You know, I remember from, from the start, I thought these guys are going to do it and do it right. And you have been, and it's a hell of an honor to be, have been a part of it all this time. Thank you. It really is cool to be with you, dude. Appreciate it. I, I admire your optimism. <laughs> Most people can't stand me for that long. Well, that's that's what people were betting against. You know, that's the uh, that was the bet. It's like, what's the practical joke? Ryan's been asking since day one, like, okay, what's the joke? What? Why? Why are we doing this? And after we got through a few episodes now that we've hit the two year mark, I'm like, well, now we could finally pull the rug out and and let them see what the big uh, what the big uh, scam was. And uh, the scam was, no, we were just trying to do a good show, which you have been. And now now he's got a, a better microphone. So he yes. will, in fact, sound better, which <laughs> with the, you never know how these things are going to go, because I've been pushing for this for a little while. And the microphone that he was using was a USB microphone, which was pretty damn good for the cost, which was like 40 bucks. But the minute we went to test this last night, the first minute I heard his voice, I was like, oh, crap, you're clear all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and, and the. The people on the stream and the people on the podcast probably didn't hear as big a difference as you did because of the amount of post-processing that you always applied to my channel uh, every time that you mastered the podcast. But you were saying that you, you've completely shut off all the processing now because I have a bunch of blinking lights in front of me. <laughs> yes, it's easier to do the processing on your end before it gets to us, which means the stream gets the better sound. Everything starts with a better quality audio it'll be less post processing that needs to be done and this is the beauty of this uh internet broadcasting thing and there's a lot of people that do podcasts we've talked about this a lot larry as far as the the amount of shows that are out there and the amount that you turn on and you just go well they may be saying something interesting but the sound quality is so bad 
I can't deal with it. So you turn it off and the, mm. we, we try to do good content, but as part of that is trying to make the audio quality as good as you possibly can. The less yeah. processing needed is better. And uh, we were, sure. we were kidding around that we we're going to say Ryan got his new microphone. And we were going to let you come on and just say, hey, from America's left coast, I am <laughs> Ryan Pembrose. Be like, wow, that was a big improvement in the voice. <laughs> That'd be funny. You know, it's, it's, it's so true, though. I mean, uh, the most expensive words in Hollywood are we'll fix it in post because, <laughs> you know, that's a, it's always a, a nightmare. And uh, if you think about it, when you watch them, for, at least for me, if I watch a movie, I can forgive all kinds of visual defects. You know, if the camera's a little out of focus or shaky or you tend not to give a shit. But if the sound is muddy, I want to throw a brick through the screen. Can't, oh, yeah. Can't deal with that. Yeah. If you can't so. understand what's being said, that totally yeah. screws up any kind of experience that you have. And a lot of people, that's how they watch television now is. They're not actively engaged. It's just on in the background. So the audio might actually be more important now, which is funny because they keep pushing higher yeah. and higher res displays. And, right. uh, but you know, Larry, I, I kind of wish that you were there when we had some arguments on, on the audio team in Windows because, uh, you know, m- multimedia was, was the big overarching group, but audio was the, the redheaded stepchild off to the side and most of our, efforts back then were all focused on making the video look good and making sure that and and we we kept looking at this going okay you you need the cpu to do a crap ton of work to render a frame 30 times per second we need the cpu to render a tiny 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 little amount but we need it forty eight thousand times per second and uh you know it so I don't know. We, we, we kept having the argument of people going, well, you know, if we just take, you know, do a lot of really heavy processing in this, then it'll be fine. I'm like, no, you can't do heavy processing because your audio will skip because we need, you know, it, it, you actually buffer. So it's more like every 10 milliseconds or something, but, but we have got to have, be able to send audio frames and people like people in video just didn't get it. They're like, well, so what if a frame is behind? Well, if a frame of video is behind, you don't even notice half the time. Most people will not. Some people are like, yeah. uh, but if, if, if you miss one 10 millisecond window with audio, uh, your, your stuff skips, you get an impulse, you get a pop, a click. And people have, are, are unforgiving of that sort of thing. And rightfully so. Other than Bill Gates, because that's the way he sounds naturally. <laughs> There's always those artifacts in his speech, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Well, he could be an Android. He's like, yeah. He's Max Headroom of, uh, you guys have to remember that way back but uh yeah <laughs> yeah that is the issue and windows has never been good with audio as far as even routing things around there's there's the apple i know a lot of people hate apple for various reasons but audio just works on the apple systems they've had programs apps whatever you want to call them for years that allow you to take whatever's coming out of one program and send it wherever you want mix it with whatever you want which makes podcasting on Apple a whole lot easier, but most people still just deal with Windows and having to get other programs added to it, like the voice meter software, which can just screw up your system or the, you have the to buy hilarious, yeah. The hilarious thing about what you just said, though, is that that exists on Windows. I used it when I was in the audio test. They've got internal drivers that do all of the loopback and routing and things like that because we, you know, I, I use them for testing. I know what these do. I know what they are. 
But Microsoft has never bothered to release them publicly. And I don't understand why, especially now in the time of podcasting when and, and you know, not just podcasting, but streaming of all kinds. It is desirable to be able to route audio all over your system and they have the technology. They just don't want to build another dialogue for it, I guess. Well, yeah, hmm. they don't want to be the podcast people, I guess. They want to be the also rans, but you know, at least Boy. it's nice when you have the mochu that I do with all of the channels. Windows 10 does let you route to any channel, but you still need that $600 device to be able to do it where it would be nice to be able to do that just out of the box and have it all done inside of the Windows machine. But hey, maybe maybe Windows 45 or something will finally have the ability to do audio correctly. But we've been doing this now for two years and overall haven't changed much about the way we've been producing the show. We've tried a few different things as far as how to get audio from point A to point B. And so far, clean feed still seems to be the best as far as giving audio nice and clean while doing the shows live, even the free version. So if people are looking for a good voice over IP solution, that works. Zencaster, I think, has gotten better. We still need to do more testing, though, because the drift on that gets to be a real pain. But April 12th, two years ago, was the day that both of our shows, episodes one and two, were released on the stream. I realized by looking at more of the notes today, this morning, that we actually recorded that show on April 7th. So it's a little bit after that. But, you know, the day it was released to the world on the RSS should be let's, the let's official birthday. Let's not confuse people with, with what actually happened. Let's, <laughs> let's just make up a history and push that yeah. and gaslight everybody. Exactly. It, yes. It's April it's 12th. What, yeah. It's what everybody does these days. Well, that's true, because that's true. nobody goes back and looks for the history of what's going on, which is why we have continually cities burning down. I mean, Minneapolis, I feel really bad oh. for everybody oh. that lives in that area, because that's, an, again, another case of a you know, black guy gets pulled over by the cops and they find out he has a warrant out for his arrest and he decides to flee. I don't know if there was any th what else happened in between these times, but he was shot and killed. And the response, of course, is burn the place you live down because that makes sense i well, don't get it. it it is what i refer to as a self-correcting problem eventually yeah because it just comes I mean, it down, might take a while yeah it just comes down <laughs> to you know get all the cops and remove them all from the area and let whatever's going to happen happen it's a little bit uh it's a little bit out there it's you know it's i mean not, you know when Minneapolis turns into Thunderdome, then people are going to start looking at this, go, huh, maybe we want cops. Didn't but it turn into Thunderdome now? Yeah, maybe. It may be. And that's when you look at the video of people that are just like jumping up and down on police cars. You see them partying out in front of stores that are being looted and burned. And it's like, I don't know. This is this is your city. Allegedly, this is where <laughs> these people live. It's like, why, why would you do this? Why would you destroy the area you live in? It doesn't make any sense to me. But there was a reason why I guess we you know, tried to switch over from dealing with all that political stuff because it can drive you nuts. But I've been listening to the last few episodes of that Larry show. I mean, I like the one about cars because that was nice. And it was oh. nobody. <laughs> nobody gets uh, one way. That's not true because a lot of people do get worked up about cars. But yes. It's not what it it seems to be a characteristic of older generation like Gen X gets worked up about cars and, uh, you know, people 
uh, boomers yeah. were big on cars back in the seventies when, oh, yeah. when owning a car was freedom. And mm-hmm. nowadays people are like, well, why would I ever want a car? I have an Uber app on my phone. Right. Why would they? Yeah. There's a lot of millennials who don't even know how to drive, which is true. A little bit weird, but you've been talking recently about the a topic that we've been covering nonstop seemingly here, Larry, and that is the concept of hate speech. And you hit it right on the nose when you said there is no hate speech. There's only speech. And once you start that domino effect of we're going to make this one thing illegal, which still making speech illegal is the craziest thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around because you're like, so somebody just making sounds, right. you're going to put them in jail for that. And sure. How do you deal with a society that is at least to a pretty decent percentage that is embracing this? How do you deal with that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you look at where that's been implemented before and it, it never ends well. It just right. doesn't, you know, so, uh, I, I don't know where it's all getting that out, but it's, it's pretty terrifying. You know, something I noticed, um, lately, I don't know you mean, we're all sort of, um, branches of the same tree there from, uh, from, um, Adam and, and John. And I, I remarked to my wife when I was listening a couple of weeks ago that in, for the past, I don't know, in previous months. Adam would frequently talk about things like this, like free speech, like the, the, the vaccine, the whole, the whole push to everybody be vaccinated. And he would kind of chuckle and laugh, right? And I like to laugh at everything, but I would say, I don't know why he's laughing. That's not funny. And I noticed the last couple of shows, he's not laughing anymore. He's pissed. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, well, it's, I, I have. He's pissed. And I think I, that's I what has to happen. Him. Can't blame him. And and people when people get pissed enough, then it, the problem may sort itself out or come to a head or whatever. But you know these people who who want to limit free speech, you know they're not they're not insane. They're fucking evil. They're bad people, is what they are. That's what the the heart of it. They want to control people. They're not worried about anybody being offended or insulted. They just want to shut up. I'm I'm going to tell you what to do, and you're not going to be able to respond. That's what's at the heart of it, and uh, that's that's not going to end well. It's just it's just not. Well, it's people buying into various narratives that are not accurate. There was a story being reported. Of course, I don't think I saw it on CNN. I don't think I saw it on uh, MSNBC, but uh, this was on the New York Post. I think it was on Breitbart that one of the three women that founded Black Lives Matter, the ones that are proudly, the ones that are proudly Marxist, let's just remember that, proud Marxist women. The one named Patrice Colors has recently been purchasing millions of dollars of real estate, multiple homes yeah. in multiple areas. And where do you think she got the money, folks? <laughs> I mean, well, by embracing Marxism. And she's completely right. nailed exactly how socialism, communism, et cetera, works, which is right. that you bankrupt and completely destroy 99% of the people. And all of that money goes directly to the politically connected and the ones in charge. And they're the ones right. who live the high life. And to embrace Marxism correctly, you just have to arrange so that you're one of the 1%. You're one of the people who is in charge at the top of the pyramid and screw everybody down below. They're hardly even people. That's that's pretty much the, the collectivist communist 
philosophy in a nutshell. It's a fine it's summation. Sold. It is. Fine summation. That's it. And the people yeah. that have given money to Black Lives Matter, millions of dollars, now you know where your money has gone. It, it didn't go to help the average black person. It went to help three black ladies who scammed you well, out of your money. I mean, she's obviously going to be donating those houses to the movement and allowing. You know, <laughs> like, sure. let's, right. let's invite some rioters in. To, I mean, you know, uh, let, uh, let's let's stop destroying all of the public spaces around here. I, here, I've uh, made you some million dollar homes you can destroy just in your anger. <laughs> That's that, a great that, idea. Can <laughs> yeah. we publish those addresses? <laughs> yeah. You know, I bet uh, you that would go really poorly. I, I think. Look, look at this all white neighborhood. That house there, there's a particularly racist person. Uh-huh. Go. Right. Go and burn that house down. Uh, it just it makes zero sense that. Well, it, it makes sense why people fall for it, because it's the way the stories get reported, that we don't have a media that exists anymore the way we used to. We have a bunch of activists that are pretending to be journalists and the other problem and it was brought up they're, on, they're not doing very well at pretending i'll let you know no they're not and this was brought up on uh, bandrew show the uh the bandrew says podcast that the reality when it comes to journalism seems to be that when social media came out the real journalist realized that we're now in a battle to get clicks. We're now in a battle to get people onto our site. And the way you get people onto your site to read the stories that you are putting together is to use salacious headlines, is to use clickbait. And this is why the news, which, you know, I think even 15, 20 years ago was fairly straightforward. Sure, there was some bias, but there was still journalism going on. I think he hit it right on the nose that social media's influence on how traffic is driven to news sites now had the biggest effect. And I mean, do you think that's right or wrong? There is still journalism going on. Uh, the The total amount of journalism hasn't really changed that much, but what social media and, and to a, a more correct extent, the internet has done like it's done with so many other industries is that it democratized it. It made the ability to, research information and get your message out available to millions and millions of people who never had any kind of audience before. You know, if you think about before the journalist, you're or before the internet journalism was, uh, you had to be at the anchor desk in, uh, you know, the tower in Manhattan and, and in front with a tie on, I'm Walter, whatever the hell his name is. And, and yeah, and I talk like this. I talk and, like this. And you, you, you had to be anointed as a journalist, and uh, in order to keep the entire profession good, you know, respectable, it, it was in their best interest to make sure that everybody, you know, conducted themselves with some measure of of respectability, but. It didn't always happen. Sometimes there were, you know, there were rags, there were tabloids, there were, it was yellow journalism that that's happened through history. But the big change in the internet period is that now, uh, you know, starting with the internet, I could create a blog and put my information out there. Uh, Andy No in Portland does not 
work for NBC or ABC or any of the big he, he's a, he, he puts out real journalism on Twitter, which, you know, that, that social media, yeah, which I, I gets him beat up. It does. Yeah. And, and he's leaving Portland and I don't blame him for that. But but what I mean is uh, journalism is out there. It's just the total amount of journalism has not changed. It moved away from the central agencies who are still clinging on to these 80 year old names and mastheads. But the people in them are not where the journalism is happening anymore. The journalism is now happening in in blogs, in on the ground, Twitter feeds, in podcasts. And, you know, we're doing journalism, not a lot. In fact, actually very little. But that's because it's spread really thin now in order to get the same amount. It's no longer concentrated in one 60 minute segment on the five o'clock news. It's now you have to read these 800 blogs and you don't really have time to sift through it. So that that's hurting people. Sure. Well, and even at that, you know, and, and I, you know, major hat tip to Andy. No, the guy's doing God's work. Um, but journalism has become so condensed, so top line, 280 characters that it's, it's basically useless because there's no in-depth journalism anymore. When you think about, uh, you know, a Time Magazine or Atlantic or so forth, they would, you know, they, they'd do yeah. a story. It would run 8, 10, 12, maybe 15,000 words, almost like a novella. Yeah. You know? or, or, yeah, and, when Greenwald puts out a, an entire novel, he still does Yeah, that. you know, and, and those days are over. And, and the, the populace uh, has largely been programmed to reject in-depth journalism. They just give me, yeah, I want to give me a, a little sound bite. A little snippet, something I can uh, easily digest and move on to my next thing. And I think that's really a part of the tremendous problem of why America's become so ignorant, because nobody really has an understanding of what's going on behind any given issue. I, I, I think you, you just nailed it. Um, I, I would not attribute it so much to the, you know, Twitter is, is a symptom and not the cause. It's the, the 280 yeah. character limit is, is not the reason why headlines are the only journalism anymore i think that the the more underlying cause is uh you know like i just said where y- you have to be spread the, the the actual information is now spread so thin across the whole long tail of the internet that uh you you don't have time to read in-depth stories you don't have time to do a right. 20 minute tv package and so uh, you know it, i'm not exactly sure where this started exactly but uh, the internet has definitely shortened the attention span of everybody out there. Even uh-huh. a long form two hour podcast is way too much for a lot of people now. Sure. Well, sure. it is. Yeah. There's no question that there's a certain amount of time that people have devoted to certain things and they want to be told what to think. They want to be told who to hate. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then right. they can feel like they're doing something because they can go parrot back a few of the talking points. Yes. That they've heard from whatever source is putting those out. But this is the issue when you're dealing with hate speech and freedom of speech. The censorship thing is very much out in in uh, under the spotlight right now again, because Joe Rogan, who we may have talked about the last time you were on, Larry, with the move over to Spotify. Mm -hmm. Now there's been 42 episodes of Rogan's back catalog (laughs) that have been scrubbed. And there's no question why it's being done. They don't like whatever the content was. And this is getting to be, even though this is just a stupid podcast in the grand scheme of things, 
The fact that there is a major company that is scrubbing content because sure. it's offensive is that mm. should worry everybody because it's not going to stop there. Right. It's going to continue on into no. other things. Well, well what it, I saw, though, was Joe's response to that. If it was I don't know if it was correct. I mean, you can't believe anything Joe's, you read. But what I saw is Joe's said, resp- I don't care. Joe's, Joe's yeah, real said, response to that true? was. Joe's real response to that was that he dove into his his money bin and <laughs> swam around in the coins for a bit before getting back yeah. out and putting his robe back on. Well, which is what yeah. we said from day one, which is if Rogan was just looking at this as a payday, he won't care about anything else. And that appears to be right. what it is. If he really thinks that this is not having an effect on the way people view his show, he is incorrect. And it seems like his audience is going down, although it's always hard to get these kind of numbers, especially once you move on to something like Spotify. But as we predicted, there were a lot of people who you just have that bar that you watched him on YouTube or you listened to him in your RSS feed using whatever program you wanted, whatever app you wanted. And once that went away, people went, eh. I'll listen to something else rather than sign up for a Spotify account. I'll just listen to Grumpy Old Benz or I'll listen to No Agenda. Or I'll listen to that Larry show. Anything. It doesn't matter. There's plenty of content people can listen to without yeah. jumping through hoops. So I guess that's good for the rest of us. But the concept that you have a company that is going back in time and removing those episodes mm-hmm. is just so unbelievable that people can't understand well, you, what's going you on. You know that there nothing is ever deleted on the internet and they are going to be archived somewhere. And right. I'm just right. going to wait for the, you know, the, the Rogan secret episodes feed. And, <laughs> and you got to admit that those 42 episodes are probably some of the best ones he ever did. If, if they're, if the locusts at Spotify are trying to remove it, then those are the ones I want to hear suddenly. Which, which is part Streisand effect and part I know that anything that wokists want to censor is actually worth listening to. Uh, right. So maybe, you know, when when that feed comes out somewhere, you know, it, I, it that, that's the place to go. <laughs> if you want some Rogan, I don't know. Download it. Download everything you can yes. while it's Archive. live. And a lot of people did when they knew the show was moving over because <laughs> there was a concern yeah. that exactly this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And this I mean, is. Moving further, yeah. though, too, people kept saying, oh, Spotify is going to start censoring. And and then, you know, we're called conspiracy theorists. And now, how, right. what are you talking about? And and oh, yeah. boy, you know, we, we need I some new conspiracy theories. All our, the, yeah. the first time it was like, what was it? Maybe three, four episodes. Right. And there was some spin bullshit about, oh, they, you know, they slipped through the cracks. It, it was some a glitch. nonsense. Yes. A glitch. It was a glitch. Yeah. And now suddenly, well, it's 42 and soon we'll probably, you know, maybe be 100. Yeah, of course. We need we need some new conspiracy theories about now because all of the old ones have been coming true too fast. Yeah, you're well, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. And this is the stuff even where you have classic movies where the that is either totally scrubbed and will never be played on anything that is a streaming service ever again or broadcast. And right. the alternative is also you take something, you know, there's an offensive scene, I guess, in Dumbo that, mm-hmm. well, you know, you could just cut that. 30 second little scene out and everybody will be happy. It's like, well, where does this stop? Where does this stop? And when do you start saying it's too much? When do you start saying that it's okay for people to use derogatory and offensive terms 
from one character in a book that maybe you're trying to teach the point that this was a bad person and these are the kind of things they did. When you have to totally whitewash everything and you have to sanitize everything, that is just going to lead to more problems. Sure. You know, I was, this is total aside, but uh, I I poke around when, usually when I'm coding, I like to have some kind of noise in the background and half the time I'll just put on Netflix and just click on something, some terrible movie or something. I have reached the point when I am browsing the list of Netflix things to watch that I, I look at the year. And if it says 2020 or 2021, I just move on. The, yes. I, oh, yeah. I don't know what Absolutely. happened. Oh, yeah. Everything that has come out in the last yes. 18 months is garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I push I mean, that back farther for, for myself, Ryan. Basically, if it's, if it's, if it's anything like uh, from this century, I'm, well, no, I'm going to say from 2010 no. on. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that's, that's about that, when it happened. You know, we watched the other, my kid was in, um, uh, did a, a, a high school performance of uh, Legally Blonde a few years ago, right? And it was was really good, really well done. And I had never seen the movie, you know. And I don't watch a lot of TV, but it, it, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were surfing around, and there it was on Amazon Prime or Netflix. I forget what this. Yeah, let's see the sure. show. And it was really good. And the testament to how good it was is the subject matter was something I thought I'm going to hate this. It's about some rich Beverly Hills chick who goes to Harvard. And it's like, it's a, it's a chick flick. This is going to suck, you know, but it was really clever and really well done. And as I watched it, we all said, you know, this, this couldn't be made today. And it's only, it was from 2005. Yeah. I think it could not be made. They, the, the sensor, they'd be pulling scenes left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anything off color or yeah. that doesn't fit the demographics or, or anything funny has to be, has to be taken out. Well, yeah, and that's true for all the classic shows that have been made recently, including Seinfeld and Friends and even The Big Bang Theory. I've been rewatching that, and that is very current, but there was enough stuff in there about, you know, Raja, you know, being Indian and there's Indian jokes and there's gay jokes. Yeah. And it's like, no, you could never allow this to happen. Uh, Progo, our buddy Brendan Kidwell in the troll room. When we do these shows live, this is where you want to be. Noagendastream.com mentions that a network a netflix executive got canned a year or two ago for trying to discuss what they can and can't host on their service specifically for quoting the material he wanted to discuss so saying hey can we can we leave this show on because this line is in in it yeah. and because that line was offensive and he said the line to show what was in the content mm. was fired this is where we're at today I mean- I mean, that's yeah. precisely on par with with canceling a, a white girl singing along to rap lyrics. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about that, which uh, <laughs> uh, because sir, that's sir, racist. Sir, Mitch, you in the troll room mentioned uh, Tropic Thunder, which uh, I, I, oh. I, I'd never seen it <laughs> yeah. before. I, I watched yeah. it, uh, like I said, on Netflix recently. And mm. oh, my God, that movie is only, what, 10 years old. It's really not that yeah. old, but right. uh, it has Iron Man in blackface. There is no <laughs> effing way. Come on, go right. back to Blazing Saddles if you want a real good movie. To uh... well, that is a real good movie, <laughs> but but that one's a little older. You know, nothing Mel Brooks ever did could possibly be made today. No, and actually, I remember no. Mel Brooks, who I mean, he's a dude's like what eighty five, ninety now, but yeah. um, he he was had an interview only a year or two ago where he said that. Uh, you know, he, he's glad that he's retired and he feels bad for any new directors because nothing mm-hmm. he ever did could be made today. 
because exactly because of the the wokeness, the cancel culture, the the culture in Hollywood. And mm. he said uh, that it, it if he were a direct, you know, if he were in Hollywood today, he'd probably just quit and become a caterer because they can still say what they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as the food's good. Yeah, exactly. But they, yeah, that is the thing where I think there's a certain percentage of people that believe this is a good thing because it's making society better and their brains just aren't able to wrap around the concept that when you limit this offensive speech, you are killing a dialogue. You are taking away any chance of people having a reasonable discussion about things. When you start having to go down that list and you you try to have a conversation about race and you go, well, the N word, or then you're talking about the, you know, people with disabilities. and You're like the R word. Soon there's no way to know what words people are talking about anymore. I, I, I think it's more nefarious than what you just said, because even if you go back to the, the Rogan where we started this, what it's doing is it's erasing parts of our culture. It's making it so sure. that we cannot carry the culture that came before with us forward anymore because they're bad somehow. Which, if you want to go back to calling it a conspiracy theory, that happens to be directly out of your weather underground manifesto. Oh, it's uh, the Marxist uh, playbook. It goes right yeah. back to them. You know, Stalin, Lenin, erase the past, re- re- rebuild the, the new future, of course. Which yeah. is why, I mean, we're all podcasters and no agenda cover the story. I know Grumpy Old Ben's cover the story and that Larry show covered the story. And probably every show on the No Agenda stream covered the story of. How do we, how do we get these podcasts are so dangerous? How do we I'm not censored? No, that would be a bad word. How do we moderate, moderate, moderate these moderate. podcasts? And that doesn't worry people. There's the average person seemingly is like, yes, how do we moderate these dangerous podcasts? And there is and, just and, a and disconnect. The, the correct answer is we don't. But a lot of people <laughs> don't uh, it can't acknowledge that answer anymore. And the words they'll often use is, yeah, I don't see dangerous too much, but one of their favorites is harmful. How do we, how do we stop yes. these harmful? Or, or, what the fuck is that? That's, only, that's only a harmful. step away from problematic. Yeah. Right. Problematic. Oh, yeah. Prob- that's a big one. They love that. This is problematic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anybody can say that they've been offended or harmed by anything. And that is maybe where you have to go. Now you have to start going, well, you know what? As a, straight white person i'm offended by any of this talk about you know lgbtq whatever and everybody's offended by everything and sooner or later you know nobody can talk i don't have to bring my demographics into this as a person i'm offended by wokeness and cancel culture and what it's doing to our culture Mm -hmm. i I don't have to be a demographic to be offended by that well yeah but you see they'll point to you and go yeah but you're just an old white guy that's what that's the problem that's gonna be the answer what, what, one of the only tech stories I brought in, we don't have to cover this if, if you're not interested, Larry, because we, we have another show on Friday where I can go really <laughs> deep into the technical details. But um, are, are you familiar with the federated list of cohorts that Google has come out with? I'm what? not, but I'd like to be. Tell me about um, that. So uh, Google has a, an initiative where they are, uh, it's, it's their privacy protection initiative where they are going to get rid of third party cookies. And when we've talked about this mm-hmm. on the show before, right. but uh, the, the big change now is that if you are using Chrome, then there is a, 
they roll the dice and one in 200 people. So 0.5% are getting this turned on already. And here's what it does. Um, you are no longer going to be tracked as an individual by third party ad cookies that are, you know, the, the way Google rose to power was, uh, they used third party cookies to track you right. everywhere. Actually, you know, after a while, I just started using your browser. You, you, you log into the browser using a Google ID. That makes it right. real easy to tie everything you've ever done to an account. Um, sure. but they are, uh, their goal is they want to, you know, they, they, they've jumped on board with saying, oh, well, ad tracking by third party cookies and ad tracking individuals is bad, which, uh, coincidentally happens to be the only way if you're not the company that owns the browser right. to track. So it's a fantastic move if you want, if you have 95% of the market and want to push that up to a hundred by destroying right. all third party advertisers is you just kill the technology, but what they're replacing it with. And I, I, I haven't heard anybody else with my take on this. But what they're replacing it with is uh, the federated learning of cohorts, which is an algorithm they put in the browser that promises not to track you as an individual. Instead, it takes your browsing history for the last week or two and Ooh. drops you into identity categories. Uh. It, 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 it decides after, after your browsing history, okay, well, uh, you know, you like, Taylor Swift and no agenda and that Larry show and uh, you know, porno with small nipples or something. And it drops all of these and builds a set of categories of identity groups that it drops you in, which is just about the most social justice technology yeah. I've ever heard in my life. But yeah. what, what it does then is uh, if you use Chrome, um, you're, you're not a person anymore. They, they've stopped tracking you for the purpose of selling ads to you. They don't even care about you as a person. You've, you've actually been dehumanized. And I, I hate being tracked by, yeah. for advertising as a person, but I like being treated as a person. Now you're being tracked as, for advertising by your demographic. Sure. And it, it, and then, uh, of course, um, you know, any, any site that uses the FLOC API can, uh, can no longer request information about you. The only thing the browser sends to them is here is the list of categories that this person belongs in. Um, I, I from, from a purely social aspect, I, uh, you know, I'll start with that. There, there's a number of technical problems with this, including some massive privacy holes that Google has acknowledged and not done anything about. But, but from a social aspect, uh, I mean, does, does this seem like a step forward to you? Well, isn't there, wasn't there slogan used to be, don't be evil. <laughs> right. <laughs> used to be. A long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So Th things have changed. Well, there was also yeah. with Google along those lines, and there's a lot going on in the ad space. And I'm sure this has some kind of connection to the fact that they are facing lawsuits, antitrust and all this, because mm. they're the claim is that Google is running an ad monopoly which yep the case can be made that that is true but as we've discussed uh, many times on this program it comes down to the fact that a majority of that is because 80 some odd percent of the people when they go do a search go to google so they have a lot of ad space that they could sell and the way to break that up would be to what get people to use something else it's still a uh it's still not an easy 
problem to fix unless you're one of these folks. And I'm not because I do believe that capitalism can still work, that there are people that believe, well, if Google is in the search engine business, they can't be in the ad business. And those two should never meet because this is where you get into a problem. It's because you own too much of the technology that somebody's using. And I don't like that concept that a company, you know, is evil as I think Google is. I think they should be allowed to make their email product and make their docs product and make their whatever product all up and down the line. And if people are dumb enough that they want to use it for everything, then let them. I don't mm-hmm. think you should be like, well, you know, you have you have Gmail, so then you can't do this or, oh, you have this. You can't do that. But they're also under fire now when it comes to the advertising thing. This was just an article on uh, Fox this morning. There was something that came to light because of one of these lawsuits called Project Bernanke. And wasn't Bernanke was involved in politics. That was uh, that name. He was the Treasury guy, wasn't he? Uh, um, yeah, he, he was. I don't know. Was it, didn't, wasn't he doing a pyramid scheme? No, that was that was somebody else. But Bernanke, maybe well, he was. Well, you know, if, if he was part of the Fed, he was doing a pyramid scheme, but maybe he didn't yeah, get true. convicted. Yes. No, that was Madoff, I'm thinking. <laughs> yes. Of. Yeah. Bernie yeah. Madoff. But this program, it says Project Bernanke wasn't disclosed to publishers who sold ads through Google and it generated hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue for the company. And basically it was Google using all of the data they had as an ad seller to manipulate the pricing of ads or to be able to predict maybe is more accurate rather than manipulate, but able to predict what those digital ads, because this would sell for because digital ads are weird. If you go to Google or anywhere and you want to buy a digital ad, if you want to take out a keyword, which is, you know, grumpy old Ben's, that's your key phrase. That's what you want to use. That's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than if you want to use the keyword pizza. So the what you're going to pay for the ad depends on what keywords you want to buy into. So the more people that search for a key word, the more those ads are going to cost. And I guess this is part of that um, lawsuit that because of they had all this data, they were profiting unjustly. And Google's answer was kind of what I said to start, which is, you're you're penalizing us for being a company involved in this and knowing how the market works. And I don't, again, this is one of these things. I don't know if there's a good answer to this because as evil as Google is, how do you deal with the fact that they just have the eyeballs? So this is why they have a majority of the ad space to sell. How do you fix that? I don't know. Well, the, the, the naive response is that you use, you use regulation. You have the government step in. That seems to be the, 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 way that most modern people have been taught to think is that the government is, will fix everything. And if that's the case, then there's a lot of regulatory remedies that you can apply to Google. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree that any of these are right because I tend to think that government, you know, if, if you have a problem that you try to fix with government regulation, now you have two problems. Right. But, um, it, you know, if you do decide to go the regulation route, there's, I mean, lots of people are talking about, oh, you can split up Google. You, you can say the advertising side goes on the, you know, the search can be split up. I mean, you, you can't really split search out of Google because every other business in the entire company would just wither and die. They don't have useful search is the only successful business that Google's ever had. 
and then advertising, which is kind of based on the success of search. Right. Everything else they've ever done is has had a failed business model. Right. Or it piggybacks on the other stuff. Yeah. And and they they are very, very, very good at synergizing new technologies and hooking them in and be like, well, because we have this massive search index, we can immediately capture an entire market over here. And I mean, it's it's powerful. Um, If you wanted to take a regulatory act that would not be splitting Google up, but still helps out, it still, you know, would fix it. Um, One of the heavy handed uh, options that I think would solve a lot would be just force Google to make their search index public so that you can build new ads based on it. You can build new front ends based on it. Uh, They're suddenly no longer the only ones who can make use of this data. And uh, that would open up for an incredible amount of innovation. Now, uh, it it would take an act of evil, which is forcing the company to do something in order to start it. Right. To give up their intellectual property and and lose it to the world because they're too popular because they're too successful. I mean, if, if people at Google really wanted to not do evil and recognize that they are doing evil, then maybe maybe in in a beautiful utopia, they would just decide, OK, well, we're going to make our search engine or search index public. Well, is it really evil? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I know people look at it that way, but the fact that Google? they own the is ad Google market, really evil owning the ad market is, is that's not an evil thing. I mean, there's stuff that they do that I don't like, but they're just too popular. Too many people use their service. And the answer well, would be, well, then somebody else come up with a better search engine. Or somebody come maybe, up with a better email program. Maybe evil isn't the right term, but I think corruption, it, it, it is corrupt to exercise monopoly power in almost every case. And well, yeah. developing a monopoly in, in the market is, is, I mean, Google has a monopoly in the ad market or, or at least a duopoly with Facebook. If you really want to dig down. Well, what has become corrupt is the fact that what people are making money on is your private information, your data. That is the main issue when it comes to the problem that everybody has with Google. And it certainly doesn't stop with Google, but they're the ones doing these things, at least publicly. I think you're absolutely right, Ryan, this concept of, well, you know what? We won't track you directly. This is much better. We're just putting you into a category, but nobody will know who you are. We're just putting you into a category. That's much better. But they're one of the few companies that can do that because they still have all of your data from everybody searching on Google or using Google Chrome as their browser. So they still have the data and they're still going to use it elsewhere. Who this does end up hurting are all of the smaller advertisers who have to rely on third party cookies because all of a sudden Google's wiping them out in the guise of we're making you oh, safer. It's it's going to devastate oh. them, especially if this catches on in other browsers. Which it probably will. I mean, I think all of us would agree that we don't want to be tracked at all. So it's like, screw all these advertising. And maybe that's the bottom line, that none of these people yeah. should be allowed to track anybody. And if that's your business model, then it deserves to fail. That maybe I, mean, I, haven't, uh, I haven't done a Google search in ages. I mean, I use DuckDuckGo. And thanks to Ryan's suggestion, you know, he's uh, brave. I uh, so. I, th- I think Brave was Darren's suggestion, but it, it's was something it I would suggest. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, okay. No, we it's fine. Alike. You can give me credit for things. I'm good with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where you just have to do the little things to try to get off that grid. And yeah. I understand it's it seems daunting if somebody has been using Gmail for a long time 
or Google Docs or those kind of systems where trying to get off the Google system and doing it in a way that is easy and doesn't cost, you know, one, it would be great if it didn't cost any money, but that's getting harder and harder to do. And that's, I think, what keeps a lot of people with Gmail accounts. And I still have ones that I don't really use for anything spectacular, you know, spam, ordering, things Mm -hmm. like that. But there's something to be said for the convenience of it. And you don't want to have to think about it. You just want it to work straight out of the box. But if you want to take control of your email, it's like you can get your own domain. You can put this at a web host for just a couple of bucks a month. I mean, you can get a web hosting account, especially if you're not putting up anything more than a homepage for just email. You could do that for your whole family for probably three bucks a month easily and have a bunch of email addresses that are now not under Google control. Now, things like Google Docs, well, then you have to download LibreOffice because Microsoft's Office stuff is still way too expensive <laughs> for what they are. And, and, Microsoft. and even more locked down. Yeah, and then they're tracking you, and so there's I, that. Yeah, I use Libra. I, I love it. I mean, last time I bought a laptop, I said, screw Microsoft. Yeah. I downloaded I, that and sent them a few bucks, and I, I think it's when, far superior to Word. I really do. When when, when Microsoft Office started uh, you know, re- removing features from the downloadable version of Office and trying to push people really hard to go to their subscription plan, Mm. I just kind of ended up letting my subscription expire and being like, I don't really need Microsoft office anymore. And, mm. and if somebody I have, I have LibreOffice installed on my machine in case somebody sends me a document. But then again, as, as a coder, uh, the, the vast majority of my text generation is in notepad. Well, notepad plus plus plain so text. It, yeah. Text is text is a underrated format. Everybody needs to be able to have their, they're formatting and their lists and their emoji. And I'm like, I just want text. Give. Yeah. Well, but. because it's the easiest to move from one thing into another. If you want to throw those into show notes, you don't have to worry about formatting. If you want to put them into an email, you don't have to worry about it. It just works. Unlike if you have really highly formatted text and then trying to put that cut and paste that into show notes, sometimes it just doesn't work so well. So, Larry, I've heard you I uh, yeah. kind of make sounds like you're going to say something a couple times um, on this show. And I know that it's not right because you're actually a very polite person. Unlike Darren and I, <laughs> if you need to say something, please interrupt and just start talking. I, I will. It's, and I don't, and actually it's, I had Mexican food last night. That's what sounds like. <laughs> Oh, okay. But, but as a, as a listener to the show, Larry, who would you say interrupts people more? Do I interrupt Ryan more? Or does Ryan interrupt me? Bum, 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 I'm going to call bum. it even. <laughs> That's well, because I stop a- talking every once in a while. <laughs> you guys are a perfect pairing, really. <laughs> I, I leave gaps that you can drop in. That's how you, you don't need to interrupt. <laughs> right. If I let Darren go without interrupting, I just get up and walk off to the bathroom and he, the two hours later, there's the show. Dar- <laughs> yeah. Darth Radar in the troll room says, Larry, please interrupt them. Uh, this this is how the system works i just have to wait for ryan to take a breath and then i can start talking that's usually how the system goes that's our that's our hate speech that's how we deal with it (laughs) that that is hate speech Uh uh-huh you know what if if my speech isn't hate speech then it's not interesting what's the point of talking exactly yeah i agree what's the point of talking unless it contains useful information and if you're going to label everything useful as hate speech then i'm proud to be a hater there well, you go. And Larry, you brought up exactly one of the things we talked about recently as well when it comes to the moderating of the podcast. And that mm-hmm. is the AI 
that can take an audio file and turn that into text is good enough already that this is a system that podcasters have to be aware of. This isn't even something that you can opt out of or anything like that. This is a reality. These yeah. There's a bunch of different services that are out there. We've tried a few of them that do a really it's almost scary how good of a job they do with just taking the audio file of a show and turning it into a transcript. And that's part of the podcast index 2.0 thing that Adam Curry's working on with Dave Jones and others. The chapters file was something that we've embraced fully, just mainly because it makes more work for Ryan. But it <laughs> gives people an idea of what's going on in the show. And if you want to skip right. to a part of the show, but also along with chapters, transcripts are a new thing that are added into the standard. And mm. Ryan and I immediately thought of that, which was, well, the minute you have transcripts, you now have people able to search for keywords right. and decide that yeah. your show should maybe be scrubbed. Yep. Yeah. Dar Darren had recommended transcripts for our show. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want that because it'll make mm -hmm. it much easier for people to cancel us without even having to give us a download for the benefit. And I think it'll happen right. anyway. And I noticed there was already some talk of a program that wasn't being allowed into it was either the Apple or the Google Play Store. I don't remember which, but from somebody that was working with Podcast Index, and it, I think it was because they were using the Podcast Index, the uh, the the search, you know that the that ability to do that, and it was under the guise of, "Well, we don't know you have the rights to use this third party system because then otherwise, you know, we." It would just seem like a really lame excuse, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm worried that this is what's going to start happening to the podcasting apps that want to go down this path with Adam Curry that says, okay, we want this to be freely decentralized and all the podcasts should be available, whether you think they're offensive or not, the listing should be there for people to decide on their own. The problem with that is when you still have in, I mean, I know there are alternatives if you jailbreak your iPhone and there are alternatives for the Android phone, even without any kind of jailbreak to get, apps onto your phone without the app store, the play store. Mm -hmm. I still think 95% of the people out there don't know how to do that. So this is essentially yeah. would cut all of those podcast apps off. And I don't know. I really want to know these guys that are successful that have podcast apps out there that if Google or Apple tells them, yeah, if you use the podcast index listing, we're not going to allow you to be in our play store. I don't know how many are going to have the balls to stand up and say, we would rather be free and open rather than we would rather have more people using the software. I think it's damn, damn few will, will step up to that plate and tell them to fuck off. Yeah. I mean, I did an episode about this a couple months ago called uh, living in the Sh shadow living in 2021. And it's just, it's become so grotesque when you think of how, um, people who like to speak freely are now living at least digitally and in some, in some term, in some ways, in a lot of ways, uh, in real life, um, like, uh, citizens of East Germany or, um, you know, occupied France in the second world war, you know, everybody's think of how everybody's just us right, right here. We've sort of retreated to the Mastodon Fediverse, which is a cool place, but why the fuck should that have had to happen? 
really, you know, and now, now it's the same thing. What are we going to do? We're going to start doing our, our podcasts in, in Russian or something, <laughs> having a trend, yeah, you see. know, so that, and then they have to be decoded so that these, these, uh, PC police, uh, can't ferret them out and shut us down. It's, it's fucking, it's unbelievable when you, when you, when you take, when you really sort of, uh, uh, go up into the stratosphere and look back at the big picture at how uh, people have become boxed in and limited and muzzled. It's fucking terrifying right now. Yeah, Darren asked uh, early on uh, how, how you think that people would even be able to moderate podcasts. And I think that the things like this transcript is in, and things like having the only app stores in the world that most people know about on board. That's how you do it is we're, we're going to, in fact, I think it's going to happen in the next year. We're going to see a big wave of, of this podcast. Our AI detected that this podcast said a bad word that was, or, or said something politically incorrect. And therefore Mm -hmm. they need to be removed from the index. They need to be removed from the Apple app. They need to be removed. And I I think we're going to start seeing it. And the, the battleground is set. And, uh, I do really appreciate what Adam Curry and Dave Jones are doing, because if the podcast index didn't exist, then everybody would be cut loose individually. And and the divide and conquer strategy is how I mean, we we've kind of lost the culture war. This the first salvos of this was was when we started giving people participation trophies in the 90s and and saying, well, you don't have to win or lose. You just have to be, you know, the the self-esteem movement and and raising every kid to be a, a soy boy who believes that they deserve everything without ever working for it because mm-hmm. they need to feel good. And, and that transformed and And somewhere along the line, we ended up, you know, people with common sense ended up losing the culture. And, sure. and now we, we have this, you know, you can't say anything, you know, a, a minute or two ago, Larry dropped an F bomb on this show, which means that we <laughs> could never be played anywhere now. And, you know, I would never do that way, well, except that I think I did it first. But. Yeah, except every 15 seconds or so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, the sanitization, yeah. this concept. But I think you're right that it started back with the everybody gets a trophy thing that we don't keep score, you know, with the kids soccer games or the Little League games. And as Larry mentioned, again, the one thing I keep pointing out, and it was about 10 years ago when that bullying stuff started, I saw. what was coming and everybody thought that was nuts that no this is you're now it's it's never going to get to an attack on the freedom of speech but you see that it has not just become an attack on the freedom of speech they're winning when it comes to and i was glad a uh, professor was actually won a lawsuit for refusing to use a pronoun one of the kids wanted them to call them whatever mm-hmm. i don't remember if it was he or she and he just decided no this is his freedom of speech he's going to say whatever the hell he wants and the court sided with him so that we need more people to stand up like that because right. this concept which is gee larry my pronoun is whatever and if you don't use that you could go to jail <laughs> yeah. somebody asked me on nas and i i responded i don't remember what the conversation was about but i responded with my pronouns are sir and bemrose <laughs> yeah well you know it's but it's happened now i mean i did a, a guest shot on a a cool show uh a couple of weeks back a guy named dean reiner he's a show called up is down podcast and he got it yeah we played that on the stream okay yeah and it and it, and it was uh, this story up in um somewhere in canada 
and it was just just a god awful situation. Some uh, a divorced situation with a fourteen year old, let's see, fourteen year old girl, I think, uh, offspring who wanted to become a guy. That was it. Yes, and so the father was opposed to this at least until she was eighteen and could you know make a more informed decision. Sure, the mother was all for it, and the judge weighed in and said, "Oh no, um, she's going to be a boy. Start her on." hormone replacement therapy right now. Um, and then to further rub the old man's nose in shit with the authority of the state told him, and, and if you refer to, uh, her as by female pronouns or not her pro- chosen pronouns, um, I will consider that violence. Right. And you're going to go to jail for domestic violence. And they locked this well, fucking guy up. Okay. Welcome to Canada. So, <laughs> the great woke okay. North. But that, you know, but hey, it's just a click, couple of clicks across the border. You know, it's coming here. It's coming here. It absolutely is. There's no, there's no question that is going to happen here. None. His words are dangerous. Well, more than that, the thing is, words are violence. That was when the, when the first time that was spoken, and somebody didn't say, "No, that's not violence. This is violence," and then broken the speaker's jaw. Right. It would have ended right there. <laughs> yes, but unfortunately, it didn't. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That, yeah, that's the other, the major corruption that, that the, the worst lie ever taught to an entire generation was words are violence. Right. And, right. and, and I think, I think that logic or, or lack thereof right there is, has destroyed so much of culture these days. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we have the first amendment, which is supposed to protect things, but you know, the funny thing that I was, I was thinking about this is it, it's not speech. That people want to shut down. Speech is just a proxy. It's a, it's a symptom. It's a, it's the out loud effect that is caused by what they actually want to shut down, which is wrong think or anything. They, yeah, yeah. They, they don't want you to be thinking anything other than, you know, they, they want everybody to be thinking in lockstep with what they want you to think. And yeah. that way you're but controllable. No, no, Ryan, they want diversity. <laughs> well, that's that, another yeah. red herring. That's another thing Like, <laughs> diversity is only uh, u- as useful as it's capable of dividing us and making us hate our neighbors and making us trust the people who are in charge of pushing diversity. It's it, the, the entire critical race theory. I, the, I, I, I mean, the vast majority of people pushing this bullshit actually honestly believe it. And that's why it has taken on a religious fervor, because it is, in fact, mm-hmm. a religion. But the the people came up with it, I have to believe, were just sitting in a room going, hey, you know, how do we control the people even further? I know. Let's turn them against each other. Let's make up. Let's pretend that all of the last 50 years of of strides forward in civil rights and race and making people like each other, regardless of the color of their skin. Let's just erase all of that and pit everybody of different skin color against each other like it's 1925 again. Well, my point was they love diversity if it's the way you look externally, but if it's the way you think internally, they want no diversity. Everybody must be in lockstep. It's kind of ironic that they can't see that, that they don't understand that. The hilarious thing about that argument is that when I was uh, forced to go through corporate diversity training, the the excuse that they use, the the logic that they used when they because this diversity training was pretty much 75% about make sure that you hire people with different skin color. And when pushed, the reason that they gave is, well, if 
if they're a different race, that means that they have different life experiences. And, and especially if they come from different parts of the world. And that means that they all have different ideas and, you know, different ideas means that you'll, you know, they, they always brought out the example of if everybody has stared at the same problem for two years straight and can't figure it out, then somebody comes in with a new ability to think outside the box and looks at it, the problem from a different angle and suddenly it's solved and that's beneficial and, and something the tech companies want. And it's uh, utter and complete bullshit because it really doesn't usually happen that way. But that was the excuse used to push for diversity and say, well, that way, what we need is people from all over. And uh, the and then there, there was a dotted line because nobody was willing to say this was it's a proxy to. And therefore, that's why we need to hire more brown people, because they think differently than white people. And maybe that'll solve the problem. It was the same thing of, of we have to get more women in because women think differently. Unless, of course, your narrative requires that women and men have no biological differences whatsoever. <laughs> right. Which is right. everything's changing now. Mm-hmm. They're going in different directions. But, you know, math can have multiple answers to the same problem. That's true. Which uh, people are finally starting to wake own, up to uh, that. We all have our own truth. Don't forget that. <laughs> right. Well, this yeah. is the problem. And this is the culmination of all of this stuff. When you start going after people for what they say when you start making speech of any type illegal where people are being put in jail like you said in canada the guy called his daughter something or son whatever it was and didn't like it so now you're going to be put in jail so congratulations on that no freedom of speech whatsoever the first amendment here is supposed to protect that whether that'll hold up i don't know because we have a combination of things that are going on right now and that is We have a society of people in the woke culture that are really into this cancel culture stuff, which is if somebody said something or did something at any time in their life, even if it was 20, 30 years ago, they have to be canceled. And Mm. what they're using as proof is something they've seen on the Internet, an audio clip or a video clip, which we've learned more recently with deep fakes can all be faked so how does cancel culture exist how does this move on when the reality is all it would take is somebody with a computer and a little bit of time to make it sound like you were saying something very hateful or whoever was saying something very hateful how do you deal with that when the person can now just come out and go i don't know deep fake how do you how do you have this is where the cancel culture has to implode it has to implode because you're using things as a basis to just erase people. You're, what you're using as your evidence could all be completely fake. So nobody is safe. What, what you just said is why I keep saying that uh, the, the only way out of cancel culture at this point is through. You, we, the only way is for enough things to be canceled that we realize that being canceled doesn't mean anything anymore. We, you know. Hmm. When everybody's canceled, is that that when the reset comes? I mean, I mean, you've already seen it happen on uh, Twitter, for example. When when enough people get canceled off of Twitter, then all the cool kids take their ball and go open up their new Twitter with blackjack and hookers. I think what you're talking about is herd immunity. Yeah, (laughs) that might be it. That might be what we need. Yeah, you know you you were saying that the the 
First Amendment is supposed to protect us. I, I, I think that that's only going to happen right up until Biden signs the executive order that says the Constitution no longer applies. Yeah, yeah well, okay, oh, see, listen, that would be kicked yeah. back immediately. Yeah, yes, you I don't think, think so? the First Amendment will protect us at all, at all. I don't, when, I don't think it will do a goddamn thing because look at what you've got. You've got now at least, I'm going to say, close on two decades of a lot of laws on a lot of books and a ton of states, maybe some federal, with the term hate crime, right? And now you've also got hate speech. And all those attorneys are going to point and say, look at look at the, where the precedent's been set. What do you mean? You know, you, there's speech, but it has consequences. And that was hate speech. You're going to jail. It's it, the, the First Amendment is probably as, as, as much uh, firmness as a fucking soggy toothpick at this point. It's, it's going down. It is. This, this this all started in when Oliver Wendell Holmes back in what nineteen twelve or something uh, said you can't shout theater in a crowded fire or whatever it was. <laughs> I, I I don't think that one's right, but I like that better. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is the issue, and if it's not going to stand up, then we're all absolutely screwed. Well, I think I think the more the more practical threat to the Constitution is is not that somebody's going to come out and say, uh, oh, we're not following this anymore. I mean, they could, but that would create a backlash. And why do you need a backlash when every corrupt asshole in Washington, D.C., every single one of them who, by the way, are almost entirely in the mono political party, all just decide, you know, we get more power if we stop paying attention to this document and then they stop. And that's what you're seeing. You're going to see, you know, you're going to see new laws come out that say we're confiscating all guns and they're going to pass it because, of course, the Democrats are are pushing for everything. They they have full control over everything and they're going to pass it. And then it'll you know, it can it, it may or may not in 10 years end up going to the Supreme Court. But meanwhile, they will have sent out the Gestapo to disarm everybody. And, you know, except for the few people who have, you know, horrific boating accidents and lose all their guns, the the yes. people are going to be disarmed. And then 10 years from now, maybe it'll get to the Supreme Court and maybe it'll get overturned if one of the justices accidentally reads the fucking Constitution again. But more likely, some corrupt asshole like John Roberts is just going to say, yeah, we're not going to take the case because uh, 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 procedure. And and that'll be that. And yeah, then the law will be I mean, on the, the books. It the says Supreme Court the Constitution been, doesn't mean anything. Been pretty consistent so far. I mean, not to say that that can't change, but they've been pretty consistent so far. Well, Biden's talking about packing it already. Well, of course he is. Even though he said he wasn't going to, but then he wouldn't say whether he would or whether he wouldn't. I think that would that would be a huge blow, though, to the Democrats overall, because it's becoming pretty obvious that their whole concept is. Cheat, cheat, cheat. Get it the way we want to, then cheat some more. That's right. that's yeah. the system. And 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 you know when they have the media in their pocket, they can go really, really far with that because no one's calling them out on. Yeah, half the country is thrilled. They're like, hey, as long as the person with a D next to their name is winning, I don't care what you do, enslave me. And then the other half of the country sure. is like, this doesn't seem right, but they don't realize that anybody else because. There's no media talking about. It. There's some well, there assholes some on a media. podcast talking well, there, about. Well, there are some still conservative media. I mean, they're trying to shut them down. And if they once they shut down the Sean Hannitys and the Glenn Becks and the you know Levins, then then yeah, we really have to start worrying at the 
the level we're doing. There's some, and there's still and the Adam Curry's and John Dvorak's. Well, there's still, they're still down on the list a little bit, but everybody will be on the list eventually. If this is the case where people don't understand that you can't have coexist hate speech and free speech. You can't have those two things coexist. You can't be like, well, I want freedom of speech. Well, I don't want people to be able to say this, though. You, you, that right. doesn't work. And there, that's, I think, where the disconnect is, because I think the new generation especially has just been brainwashed into believing that we should be looking at hate speech and hate thought and hate whatever yeah. that it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I would just ask people if you really believe in, you know, the hate crime and hate speech, see where it's ever been implemented when it was a minority going against somebody that was white. Just at once, show me a case where this has ever been even brought up because I don't think it ever has the, the two black girls that just killed the Uber driver. You know, that wasn't hate. No, no, that don't worry about that. And I can tell you if that was two white kids beating a black Uber driver, that would have been George Floyd all over again. But because it's the other way around, this doesn't get reported. And this is a dangerous precedent that's being set in this country, which is to go, oh, well, if the person has black or brown skin, whatever they do, it doesn't matter. Rape, kill, it doesn't matter. They were victims. That is dangerous. That is dangerous when you start dealing with that kind of stuff. And it's it's just unbelievable that the minute somebody gets shot, you know, when a black kid gets shot by the cops in Minneapolis, nobody really waits to see what actually happened. Nobody nobody cares if the story is, well, he pulled out a gun and started firing at officers. Well, but they killed him. He was just a 20 year old kid. Well, nobody waits for the evidence. Nobody waits for the truth of what happened. I mean, this is nuts. This is nuts. So land, if people want to live in a country where there is absolutely no law enforcement and there's no laws, then go somewhere else and see what it's like. And let me know how it works for you here. here. Well, it's, it's clear. I mean, the wheels are, have fallen off this, this nation and uh, it's uh, it's in free fall and where it's gonna, where it's going to wind up. I don't know. It's. Well, that is the question where, you know, where is what's the landing spot for the trajectory we're we are currently on? The two possibilities that I see at this point, because I it's going to take more than a generation for people to calm down and realize how freaking retarded a lot of people have been lately. Um, So the for the short term, like next 10 years, the two landing sites that I see that is. Is either we end up, you know, descending into open civil war, which I think would be a problem. It would be problematic. And also um, nobody would enjoy it. Or, you know, the only peaceful option I see is, is we start actually splitting the country. You know, how, how ridiculous is it that in a country this divided where you have uh, 50 different legislative bodies who all control their locality and you've got. Uh, you know, 300 million different opinions that we should put all of the power into one single winner take all office that gets bounced back and forth every four years like a football. But it has very little power in the reality of the world. Yeah, tell that to Mr. Uh, 10 executive orders a day. Yeah, but he knows it because he's been hiding in the basement. You never well, he see doesn't him. know anything. <laughs> None of the executive orders mean crap. 
The only thing that means oh, yeah. anything. Like, oh, another piece of paper. Let me put some squiggles on it. Yeah, the laws actually still have to be passed by Congress. That's where the biggest problems are. What <laughs> who, who gets elected as president is overall meaningless. But it's that controlling those other branches is a uh, is a big thing, which is why the election that we have going in about a year and a half is going to be huge. It is going to be huge. Well, uh, apparently, the most powerful position in the nation anymore is is Secretary of State of the Georgia. Well, that, that seems yeah. to be the one. See, I don't know. Yeah. They they couldn't even uh, they couldn't even keep their own house in order. The, that's the the saddest and funniest thing about this. Stacey Abrams prompting I, Major League Baseball to pull the All Star game from a city in her state, and then bitching about it that it happened. It's like, well, what are you a moron? You don't realize what kind of money the All Star game brings in, what kind of tax revenue it generates, how much money it brings in for all those black owned businesses in Atlanta. That you're yeah. that stupid that you wanted to virtue signal so bad that Major no, League Baseball pulls the game and Major League Baseball can go fuck themselves. That's the bottom it's, line it's with all, baseball. It, it's God, all I capitalism. love hearing you say that, Darren. I love say that again. I love that. <laughs> That's, it's horrible. I mean, this is a knee jerk reaction to something that is only hurting the people they're pretending they're trying to back by making this decision. And it's just such an ignorant decision because, as we've discussed here and over at Random Thoughts, Georgia, for voting in person, has required photo ID or ID of some sort for years. So the fact that they just wanted to add that to the mail-in ballots, to call that racist, for Biden to call that a Jim Crow law, he's a moron or he's a liar. He may be both. But for Major League Baseball, or, then or to he turn may around, be reading a teleprompter, it's, it's ignorant to be like black people are too stupid to write their ID number down on the piece of paper. That's going to that's why they're disenfranchised. Everything the Democrats do to try to help the blacks make them seem like morons. Same thing with the uh, Hispanics. It's like, oh, these poor people need our help. It's like these groups should stand up. If you're black and if you're Hispanic, you should stand up and go, hey, Joe. I have an ID and I know how to write, so I don't need your help. And the funny thing is that these primarily Republican pushed laws that for voter ID and stuff, they are, in fact, designed to disenfranchise large blocks of Democrat voters, which is why the Democrats hate it so much and have to twist their logic so painfully, because it's not black people that they're trying to disenfranchise. It's illegal aliens. It's it's people who, you know, it's. People under 15, it's it's dead people that right. the Republicans want to disenfranchise. Well, right. As who, long as there are laws on the land, Democrat. Yeah. As long as there are laws on the land that say you have to be a legal citizen, you have to be 18 and over, you have to live in the locality where you're voting. As long as those are the laws, you should try to enforce them. Is but it, obviously those laws are racist. Right. They have to be. But only only in the black communities, they're racist. I've never seen Black Lives Matter. Anybody show up when there were those kind of things added to the laws in white areas overall. It's weird. It's just very weird. I guess they figure white people well, know how to read. Predic- I think I think Ryan's latter prediction about uh, you know where it's headed is probably the more accurate one. Um, I don't see how do you have a civil war when everybody's uh, there's no Mason Dixon line and everybody's sort of you know. But what's well, happening, you're seeing it in the streets. It's developing. 
because there's this tremendous uh, migration of people out of California, out of New York, yeah. into Florida, into Texas. And you're going to see it already. There's sort of a, you know, like a, a kind of an S pattern across the country from your neck of the woods, Ryan, down through the midsection and then the lower eastern seaboard of uh, where people seem to value freedom. Um, and then on the other regions, they don't. And nobody you know, in nobody within 50 miles of me values their freedom. I'll tell you that much. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure of that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's where, where it's headed. And it's it's happening so fast fast oh my god i mean it's like holy crap yeah. people are really um they're 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 migrating and and that is going to further polarize the country and you know who knows where that all nets out three five seven years down the line um who, who could say but it seems that's that's what's happening so, uh, saw a great meme that had uh, a picture of gavin newsom and said it was the uh <laughs> u-haul's number one salesman of the year <laughs> well yeah because yeah. rational thinking people don't want to live in a city that is being rioted and looted every night. And, and, and you know, the, the uh, small government anarchist in me would revel at the idea of what if the federal government was returned to its, its cursory role of national defense only from, right. you know, from the 1820s and mm -hmm. for a day to day governance, suddenly the U S was 50 separate countries again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, the, I mean, we could do worse by that. I, I, and I think that, uh, yeah, having the federal government being tossed about like a football between sides with what is looking more and more like irreconcilable differences is, is not going to be tenable long term. And if we just, you know what, you just let, let the left and the, the, the coasts, you guys, you know, the New York, California, Washington, uh, you guys all go ahead. All the Democrats move there and you govern yourselves with your pure socialist utopia and mm -hmm. people who want to be free can move to flyover states. We'll all go chill with Sir Spencer in uh, Missouri and we'll govern ourselves that way or Texas or wherever. And tell you what, then once we got to a point where we're not fighting our neighbors and and trying to kill each other in the streets for what we say because we've separated all the people then we can let 20 years go by and see which parts of the you know which states flourish and which states end up you know polluting themselves and falling into the ocean well, yeah but the problem with that is then all of the states that are successful have to pay for the other ones because that's what the federal government then does is Correct. takes the money away from yeah. Oh, you, you guys knew what you were doing out here. So uh, no, but New York and California. No, no. See, they need a lot of money. So we're taking it from mm -hmm. you. Um, yeah. The exodus, I think, is going to be a big part of it from these major cities. And I do believe that New York is going to go back to being a place that is dangerous to walk around at any time, day or night. It's already getting there. I don't know how bad L.A. is, but uh, Chicago's getting to the same point that as more people move out, the money that they were expecting to come in in taxes to be able to pay for the few things they were doing is going to dry up. Crime's mm. going to get worse. And this is going, I mean, it maybe will be a self cleaning problem again because I, this isn't something you can point to one demographic and say they're the problem. Because I hear from on the news here locally in Chicago all the time from people in the African American communities who aren't anti-cop, they're like, where are the cops? 
our neighborhoods are being overrun and they want the protection. They want safety. They, you know, literally, we'll, you know, they don't want we'll send a social worker out. out sometime. Yeah. You got gunshots in your neighborhood. We'll send a social worker out sometime in the right. next three days. Right. Cause that'll help. You know, they want law and order. They want to be able to feel somewhat safe in their home and not like it's going to get shot up at any time day or night. And it is, it's the, the people that are running the cities who just don't care. These people like the woman from black lives matter, who obviously took millions of dollars in donations and is buying a bunch of property. She's not helping anybody. She's not helping any of the black community. She's not here in Chicago or in St. Louis or in Baltimore saying, Hey, let's make things safer by hiring security guards or people to patrol the neighborhoods. I mean, it's one thing if you're like, you know, the cops aren't doing their job. We have an answer. We can bring in our own force to, you know, be a you know citizen kind of a force that will watch over what's going on, which they well, did. That's back. how shit worked 100 years ago. Yes. You know, people took responsibility in their communities. Now it's just it's just all totally off the rails. The yeah. governments just don't care. These people that pretend. I mean, this thing with Joe Biden and the executive order about guns, you're talking about. What something that happens maybe once or twice a year in their tragedies when they are their atrocities, when they happen, when somebody goes and shoots up a school or something, but they don't want to mention Chicago where hundreds of people are shot every year. But because it's black on black, we don't want to talk about that. Those aren't the guns we're worried about. Well, the, the, the shooting events that get all the press kill maybe 30 people a year. The, the shooting events that kill 30 people a day per in one city, uh, they, they don't fit the narrative. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that in Chicago. I mean, we watch it and we mention it every Monday on Grumpy Old Benz. We look what the weekend was like and an average weekend is about 30 some odd people shot and a few killed. And this is every weekend. But nobody talks about that. That should be mainstream news. You would think that would be worthy of uh, MSNBC or CNN. Or one of the major networks saying, you know, there's a real problem with violence in Chicago. What can be done about it? But because the poor people, those minority blacks, well, they're the victims, you know. So we don't want to talk about the fact that they're the ones shooting 30 people overall every weekend. But, but what you're describing, though, that would take actual journalism, which I don't <laughs> think that the, those big companies can are capable of anymore. Fact, well, they you know what, actually, to. here's. Here's the idea. If, if if CNN or MSNBC wants to give a report about shootings like a, a down to earth, all they need to do is play grumpy old Ben's every Monday. Right. You can find out what's going on. You can find out the reality of what's going on and then <laughs> ask yourself why this, you know, when a disturbed Read kid it. goes and shoots up his school, that's horrible. But it happens, you know, very rarely by comparison to how many times people are getting shot in Chicago. It's just is like in L.A. and I know in San Francisco as well, they are becoming third world cities. They are. <clears throat> and some years ago, uh, my wife and I took a vacation in Costa Rica, which is a beautiful place. And, um, you know, if you're at the beach or out in the jungles and so forth. But the, the main city there, I think it's called San Juan. Uh, you, you ride around and I saw something that it just made my jaw drop. Homes, nice looking homes. Um, not with bars on the windows or a fence around them or security cameras. There are, there at that time, were hundreds, if not thousands of, of homes, nicer looking homes, completely caged. Okay. I'm talking okay. over the roof. 
Wow. Okay. I mean, that, I mean, okay. So this is Kate. Is this taking Kate. a gated community to the extreme? <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, you guys could come in, drop in by helicopter or whatever the hell. But cage, I'm talking over the roof line of bars and then just, you know, entry and exit for the garage and the, and the front door. And many of them guys standing out front, um, you know, packing heat, private security. And that's the way Los Angeles is looking. You've got, you've got just miles and miles of homeless tents and filth and unbelievable. And then the, the, the guys, the guys installing fencing and bars. And security camera systems are making a fortune. And now what I'm seeing, um, just a couple of days ago, I'm out on Ventura Boulevard and, uh, you know, I see this guy standing in front of what the hell was it? Was, it was, I know what it was. It was an AT&T phone store, you know, and he's, he's, the guy's back in heat. He's in uniform. He's a private security guy. Says, what are you doing here? He says, I'm working for AT&T. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's how bad it's gotten. This is, this is, this is what it's become because <laughs> the. Police have been, things been decriminalized. Okay. People walk out of supermarkets with, with shopping carts filled with booze. As long as it's 900, less than $900, right. nobody even says anything to them. And, and, and the supermarkets have guys dressed like they're going into combat in Kabul. Okay. Private security. <laughs> this is exactly the way fucking Costa Rica looked when I was there 10, 15 years ago. And I was like, holy shit, man, this place is fucked. Well, now, now New York and San Francisco, this is probably worse. Thank you, Newsom, Captain Hair Gel, asshole. Well, in these cities, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, were overall fairly safe just a decade or so ago. Correct. That's the issue. This isn't like we have never figured out how to Mm -hmm. fix this problem. It was what we figured it out. But now it's inconvenient because, Mm -hmm. you know, it turns out too many people that are committing the crimes are of a certain demographic. Uh Oh, we need to fix that rather than, you know looking at the reality and just prosecuting whoever commits well, the crimes. Any, anyone with half a brain can, can pretty easily recognize that the uh, complete and utter failure of our, our government based criminal enforcement system uh, is, is problematic. Um, and, and that's kind of <laughs> what you're describing with the, uh, the, you know, the prosecutors who say, you know, we're not even going to bother uh, you, we're not even going to bother looking at anybody who steals less than nine hundred dollars. Um, right. I, I am heartened at the idea that the companies, the the stores, the, the retail outlets that want to stay in business are hiring private firms because that well, is, to. again, it's capitalism. It's it's we have a problem and we need to fix this. And I think that the next step on the part of of somebody who, who either through malice or through sheer and utter incompetence has decided that they really want to destroy the inner cities. The next step is they're going to just start banning the private security people and say, no, you have to take it. It's racist. If you have private security, that's questioning people at the door, you know, without regard to their skin color, just because they're taking a few hundred dollars worth of stuff out of your store. Well, how are you going to stop but, them? Are you going to shoot them? Then, Cause then you're going to jail. But then well, what I mean, they, is that, the corporations, okay, those guys, you know, I mean, supermarket margins are shit. They're four or five percent, really thin, okay? And at some point, the, those guys just say, hey, fuck it, we're out of here. We're closing the store, okay? And then what, what the real crux of the matter is, is morons, absolute mouth breathing morons say poverty causes crime, and they're fucking wrong. Crime causes poverty. 
That's how it works. Well, that's inconvenient. And and, and okay. politicians cost both. Well, correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, Nobody they wants do. to talk about the fact that the best way, if you're the party of handouts, and we have one of those in the United States that is much more so than the other, if you're the party of handouts, you're going to get votes from the people who are down on their luck. So it is your in your best interest to keep those people down on their luck. And we've talked about that with yes. the minimum wage, which people still don't recover correctly when it comes to the media, that people still don't understand. They think it's a win when they get the minimum wage raised. It's like, no, you're actually hurting the people you think you're helping. See, if if we played clips on the show, this would be the perfect time for the drop from that lady from Chicago is like, keep Obama in president. He gave us a phone. Yeah, the Obama phone. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, this is in the news a lot now when it comes to the Internet, where that is being viewed now because of the pandemic, of course, Larry. It's being viewed as a human right that everybody should be able to have access to the Internet. And this is stuff just this is another step down the line that is absolute insanity because most of the time you're taking what are private companies again because this right. isn't like it used to be where Ma Bell was running the phone and you could be like well okay everybody needs a phone because they need to be contacted all of a sudden now this is being treated like well because of the pandemic kids have to be able to you know the zoom you have to be able to get on zoom to get into your class so if they don't have the internet then they can't get into class well the answer is get kids back to school of course yeah, yeah. Or, well, the teachers or, don't want that right or or the, the answer is abolish it. teachers unions and make all schools private charter schools and and get rid of this failed concept of of the state government being responsible for educating children correct well yeah. i was thinking about this too this morning when my internet went down about a half hour before we started the show I thought about, okay, what if what if I had kids that were in school? I guess the whole class gets interrupted because somebody's internet went down. We have to wait for little Johnny to come back. You know, their their internet uh, went down. I mean, I don't think that they wait. I, well, they should. Otherwise, that's well, no. What well, what they do is they make the video of the class available afterward. And if it, you know the the modern day of everybody having to go to school over Zoom has got to be fantastic. You know how many hoops I had to jump through with both my teachers and my parents if I decided to play hooky from a day of high school back <laughs> in the day when you had to be there in person? Right. Now you just be like, oh, I'm sorry, my Internet's out. I have to go to the beach today. Yeah, my Internet's gone. I'll be back in a few hours. Just blame Comcast. Yeah, I remember the uh, the handbook for the high school I went to was very clear. And this was back in, you know, this was back in the day. You know, long before the Internet, but this was uh, just so snarky that they would point out there was like one event, I believe, that they pointed out because this is was a, you know, all boys Catholic high school on the south side of Chicago. And in the things like, well, yeah, you're you have to be here. And no, white it said, no, White Sox opening day is not an excused absence for not being in school, <laughs> to which my dad usually said, screw that. Let's go to the game. And that <laughs> that worked out really well. But now, yeah, this is, you know, you could probably just take your class with you to the ballpark as long as you can pop in on Zoom or you can fake it. Or the, really, the reality is that you only need a teacher 
to teach the year once on video, then you can fire their ass because you have the video you can use for the next few years. I mean, that's how online schools, online colleges have been working for a decade now. And there's a whole lot of people gaining a whole lot of skills from them. Yeah, sure. You can run classes long after a professor's dead. There was there was one story uh, six, eight months ago about a teacher in Seattle who ended up catching a whole lot of flack. I don't know if she got fired or not. Probably not with union. But uh, because she had the audacity to realize, wait a minute, I don't if if all of this is online, I don't have to be at my shitty little house in North Seattle. And she ended up going out to her cabin, which was way up in the mountains. Right. I remember this and had Internet. And she was teaching the class, but people were really angry that she was teaching it and she wasn't physically located in Seattle at that moment. Like, what does this matter? It's all online. Larry could be teaching my my kids. My daughter does Zoom classes and she's had teachers teach from, uh, you know, foreign countries that are taking vacations. They're on the road, whatever. Yeah, sure. sure. As long as you have connectivity, what's it matter? Right. It shouldn't. We, we we are doing a podcast right now, quite successfully, from three people who are thousands of miles apart. Mm-hmm. It, the yeah, internet from, does that. From beautiful Chirac to lovely Los Angeles, and of course the mountain-esque, beautifully forested Seattle area. And the internet makes that happen, because you can have those connections, and for every border that that knocks down, this is now the problem. With the free speech. This is why these people are going so nuts because speech can travel in an instant around the world. How do we figure out how to shut people up? And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I would have laughed and said the internet, you'll never be able to do it. But the fact remains, I guess, that a vast majority of what people use to communicate are the same few services that are run by the same few companies that have all gone pretty much totally woke. And and I think I think that that's changing, believe it or not. I think that people are starting to realize that that uh, putting all of your services into uh, Amazon and Microsoft and Google and uh, and letting them control the entire internet. Some people are starting to realize that that's a problem. This, I mean, this is why we have Mastodon. This is why, you know, uh, 10, 10 years ago, Adam uh, Curry, who is, has always been 10 years ahead of his time, mm. um, realize that uh we don't want we don't want to be cancelable and therefore we're going to create our own infrastructure which is fantastic and and we got a lot of people are now realizing that uh you know don't be on twitter go be on your own infrastructure or be on the infrastructure of somebody that you trust not to cancel you um we you, don't be you know parlor learned a very very <laughs> important lesson and that is that amazon is not to be trusted uh <laughs> One of the other stories that popped up this week was uh, a continuation of uh, uh, Larry. Are you familiar with the six week cycle from the FBI? Um, I'm not. It, it hasn't so. been. It hasn't been that big uh, lately. Although I think well, since you know, COVID, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it almost entirely disappeared during Trump. But it's it's coming back now that there's Democrats sure. in charge again. But during Obama, it was like clockwork. Every six mm-hmm. weeks. And and I know you've heard this story because it was repeated over and over again. Some guy is threatening to blow something up, but the FBI caught him because the person that he was working with to try to blow it up was actually an undercover FBI informant. Mm-hmm. And so you you go and, and the, the trick is you go to some deep CD forum 
You find somebody who might be a little bit unhinged. You get FBI agents to befriend him, drag him along and be like, yes, of course you want to blow up this federal building. Of course you want to detonate this bomb. Of course you do. And and here's the bomb. And then the guy's like, uh, OK, yeah, I, I do want to. And then the moment that he takes the bomb and pushes the fake button on it, the FBI is like, ha ha, fooled you. You're under arrest now. And suddenly the FBI gets a big win. And they did this every six weeks. Uh, they documented on no agenda. It, it, uh, they, I mean, they had a, a whole segment on it, but a six week cycle event very recently uh, was a guy who was communicating over signal and tried to buy C4 for an undercover FBI agent in order to blow up an AWS data center. Hmm. Um, the headline was FBI arrests man for plan to kill 70% of the internet in AWS bomb attack. Oh yeah, I love that headline. I love now, that. Now, right. the thing that I got out of that is, why the hell is AWS 70% of the internet? What is wrong with that statistic? I don't really yeah. think they are, but they're big enough to where that, uh, you know, it well, makes I'm sure sense. there's a lot of switching and stuff. That, that I mean, they could mess up a lot, but it, it, regardless, that is... That is too much for one company to have any control over. You know, the, it's not even Amazon that bothers me more. Cloudflare is the one that really like they have too much control over the Internet. Everybody uses so Cloudflare. So should I start marking my calendar now every six weeks? <laughs> Just watch. I was those- aware of that. And it's, but I totally believe it. I mean, they've, they've got to keep that budget. They get 38,000 agents well, it, keeping us safe. Not- Keeping it safe. It's not clear that they're back on six weeks. Six weeks was it, it was like clockwork during the Obama administration. And yeah. and of course, it's it's a way that the FBI gets uh, bonus press and be like, look, we're doing something oh, yeah. and give us some more yeah. budget. But oh, yeah, of course. I, I don't know if it's six weeks now. It would be interesting to pay attention. But this one definitely popped up and it, it absolutely fits the mold. Well, yeah. it's an entrapment case waiting to happen. Yeah. It's uh, they always pick somebody who. If it wasn't for the influence of the people that they befriended, I mean, this is just the problem with joining these groups online is that you don't know who you're talking to, that you think you're talking to somebody that's a a fellow revolutionary. And yeah, it's usually going to be somebody in the uh, in in the working for the government. Like you mentioned in one of your last episodes when it came to Cold War, you know, was it uh, Germany, the Stasi? Like one yes. of six people was an informant, you know, in the country. One of every six citizens was a government <laughs> informant. Yeah, you, that no, was, that's crazy. Yeah, I no idea was that much. But this is yeah. what you have to be careful of now. I mean, if you're online and you're thinking you're befriending people to do whatever nefarious deed you want to do, there's a really good chance yeah. that you're talking to government agents who are just sure. going to reel you in and throw you in jail, which they should. Although the reality of the situation is. If instead of, you know, this is where the question starts coming on how this is all being done, because one, if somebody is really set upon blowing up a federal building or something, yes, I would like them stop before they actually blow up the federal building. With that said, if they would have run into somebody, if this FBI agent, whoever was being employed to be this mark. Now, if they could have just been going like, well, dude, you shouldn't do that. That's really bad. You'll get, you'll go to jail for life. That's a really bad idea. And the person might've gone, Oh yeah, you're right. And then just gone on about their life. That's where the issue comes in. Like, well, how much influence are these government agents having on the people deciding to commit these crimes? 
Well, yeah. a long time ago, they tried that on, uh, you know, a famous, he was not the musk of his day, but he wasn't far off. It was, it was uh, John DeLorean. And they set him up with a sting operation. And the government told the FBI to fuck themselves. They threw it out because it was clearly entrapment. You don't hear about that anymore, do you? No, but they're going after your buddy McAfee still. Oh, they want him badly. <laughs> they want thought, him badly. I thought they got him. Yeah. Well, he's still well, waiting. Well, they did. They got him in a Spanish jail, and uh, they want him extradited, and uh, it's it's just, it's awful. I mean, the, what people never, there's a funny thing, and I'm kind of, my next episode is going to be a, a lot about this. Um, people put kind of an amorphous um, um, umbrella over various entities, right? Whether it's the government corporation. Look at all the shit. Even Darren, you say, you know, fuck, fuck Major League Baseball, okay? Um, but you know what? Major League Baseball is, I have no how, how idea who it is, but whoever, somebody, somebody's at the helm of that. So there's a guy with a name, and he's, he's the guy that you really want to fuck. Right, because Commissioner Rob Manfred. Okay, that's the guy. Okay, and in in government and uh, and in situations like this, you know, the FBI. Well, who's running the FBI? I don't even know who the hell it is at this point. Um, but there's but there's always somebody. There's a top guy who's pulling the strings, and they just love. I, they love for for the general populace to to put the all the heat on the organization because what is that? It's nothing. It's just a collection. It's like saying. I, I hate the forest, you know, but there's always a tree in the middle of it that's, that's, that's spreading the disease, you know. It's, there's, I mean, that's not, one, that's not one. just government. That what, what you just described is literally the entire reason why a corporation is a thing. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, to provide it, protection of firewalls, of course. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you provide legal. It, it's one of the reasons why one, you know, one of my more radical suggestions for how do you fix crony capitalism is, well, one of the things I would recommend is that you, uh, uh uh, abolish or severely tone down the protection offered by a corporation and allow liability of corporations to transfer to the people running them. Oh yeah. And, and, and suddenly, you know, because you can't, you can't, if, if Google goes out and, uh, you know, d- destroys $10 million worth of economy and doing something obviously evil, what can you do to Google? You can fine them, but you can't throw right. Google in jail. You sure right. as hell can throw Larry Page in jail. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if 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 you could figure out which you know non extradition island he end up buying to get <laughs> away from it, but yeah, yeah. you got to get out of Dodge. But, but you know, the government is people, and the government these people could be incredibly petty and vindictive. And uh, you know, the thing with McAfee is, God bless him, he's been thumbing his nose at them for years, and I very closely and, followed his his swashbuckling exploits when he was cruising around the Caribbean. On that yacht, and uh, what, you know, and what do they claim finally, that he did? What I mean, like, what do they got him for? They're they're after him for tax evasion, oh, and God. they're also <laughs> after him for what he would do is for a time he was he would uh, attach himself uh, to various cryptocurrencies and sort of claim, hey man, this this might be a good investment, and whether he was being paid by the 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 founders of those currencies or not, I I don't know, maybe he was. Um, Sounds like what they're, they're really after him for is is thumbing his nose at the establishment. Oh, that's it. Oh, it's it's the contempt. It's the contempt factor. If he if he'd kept a lower profile, just did what he did, and not been so public about it on Twitter. I mean, he had I think he had a tremendous uh, following. 
on Twitter. And I used to watch his videos and stuff and finally I interviewed him, which was an absolute pisser. It was just a great experience. <laughs> and I really liked the guy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's totally, it's completely a power play by the government saying, you're not going to fuck with us. We're going to, we're going to fuck you. That's, that's what this is about. And they do that all the time. They did that. I remember reading about John Gotti, right? <laughs> Certainly nobody, nobody hero, not, not a good guy, but guess what? Fucking prisons are filled with not good guys. They're filled with evil pricks. But they singled out Gotti. There was some horrible story. Like, I think when he died, they, they like just put him naked in a body bag and left him in the front door or something outside that federal pen in Colorado. And it was just like, what, how else can they say, fuck you and fuck your family, Gotti? And that, that's, it was, it was really it was, it was awful what they did. Just awful. Did they do that to other guys that had, had, were crime kingpins and had killed many people as a kid? No. But Gotti was the one they, want, they hated. Because he thumbed his nose at them for, for many years in New York with Bruce Cutler and his defense team, you know, the Teflon Don, they called him. And they, so they, they hold grudges and people don't realize that. They do. Yeah, and they'll find something. I mean, that's the, the Al Capone thing. <laughs> taxes, that's always yeah. what it comes down to. Oh, you didn't pay your taxes. With the, with the McAfee, they're claiming, you know, pyramid schemes that he was pimping crypto that were use worthless and bringing people in and then taking his money and right. then everybody lost their money. But anybody I, that's dumb enough not to understand that crypto is gambling is of course it's gambling is losing I get out the feeling that, that McAfee would probably be flattered by a comparison to Capone. Probably he would be he like, would. I could see that, um, yeah. you know, Capone. I mean, and the reality is a lot of these guys, I mean, Capone inclu- included, I mean, he was, vicious and a murderer and if you got if you crossed him if you were uh, getting in the way of him making his money yeah you were probably going to wind up dead but he was at at the heart a businessman and in chicago mm-hmm. at the time this you people weren't randomly getting shot the no. gangsters at the time shot other gangsters but if you accidentally shot a cop or if you accidentally shot somebody that wasn't in involved in the criminal organizations, you know, you were probably going to get killed by Capone because this is that wasn't good for business. Yeah, yeah they, they're business people. They need to clean house, make sure things go smoothly. Yes. You know, there was something to be I, said. Capone, Chicago ran pretty well. The crime was- Capone was one of the <laughs> best capitalists of the 20s. The people oh, no. enjoyed in Chicago enjoyed unless you were in a rival gang, you enjoyed Capone's type of uh, criminal enterprise. That's where well, the was, hookers he came was certainly from. That's a whole where the booze came honest. from. He was certainly a whole lot more honest than most of the people who run Chicago, especially yeah. in the States. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no doubt. I did see that our mayor for the uh, White Sox opening day, I think Pritzker was there too. Both got booed horrendously from the 9,000 or whatever fans they allowed in the gates. And I saw the same thing happen to uh, Garcetti in Los Angeles. They booed the crap oh, out of him. Good. Good. So maybe the people are maybe the people are waking up. That's all we can hope for, I guess. I, I think that's a best case scenario. We need we need a new Al Capone. That's what we should be. <laughs> oh, we 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 already have I you know, we already have plenty of people who are are thumbing their noses at establishment and you know with they they may not have all the press that Capone did because on the internet everybody's in small groups, but I bet they're out there. Probably, 
you know, and it was just a, uh, yeah, you look back at how the city was run at that time. And there was a lot more law and order. It's, it's turned into chaos, which is the mm. problem, which, which is bad for business. Yes. Which is the problem in the unfortunateness of all of these black lives matter riots that are riots. I'm not talking when, when people literally are protesting, walking peacefully down the street. I applaud them. I think oh, that, they should be allowed to That's do called it. an insurrection. <laughs> that's right. No, that's a little bit of a different thing. But, you know, I applaud people that do that. But then when you start burning things and you start committing violence, then that has to be stopped. The concept now that uh, and this, the government is acting like bad parents, which is your kid is tearing up somebody else's house. And you're like, he'll tire himself out in about 15, 20 minutes. Don't worry. You don't stop him from ripping everything apart. You're just like, yeah, he'll, he'll get tired. Well, that's what the governments are doing now. When you have these groups rioting going, you know, they, they have a good reason. So just let them do it for a while. And that's not going to stop the violence. That's going to encourage more violence. I well, know I, I, it seems I like waiting. a horrible thing to say, but once people start committing the violence, then all holds should be uh, taken off the table. The gloves come off and you do whatever you have to do to bring law and order back. I keep waiting for the citizens of, of Minneapolis, like the the people on the ground who are getting their entire livelihood, their storefronts, whatever, torn up yet again to finally make the connection of, oh, so maybe these people that we voted in who are not doing their job and preventing the cops from saving my store from being burned down a second time. Right. Maybe they're the problem. Let's and remember. So far, there's not a lot of evidence that they've made that connection. And let's remember who put money up in the first round to get the people that burned Minneapolis oh, out yeah, of jail. Kamala Harris. Yeah. Come on. To, to, get, to get them out of jail so that they yeah. could do it again. Uh-huh. So congratulations, people. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Well, Abe Lincoln said the people pretty much get the government they deserve. And he was right. Yeah, but I don't want the government that they deserve. <laughs> I want why why do move. I have to suffer under that? That's why everybody, that's why there's these mass migrations, really, because it's the system so corrupt, it's so, so out of control that the only, the only solution is, uh, is moving. Well, yeah. Really? And in these cities that are being burned down again and again, when the AT&Ts and when the Comcasts and when the Targets and when the Walmarts and all the grocery stores decide to go, yeah, we're just not going to do business here anymore. Then the result is the people that live there now literally live in hell because you're going to be sitting somewhere mm-hmm. where you're going to have to drive an hour to find a grocery store because yeah. if you need a gallon of milk, it's going to be an all day yeah. ordeal. And right. and if you wait too long, then good luck finding anybody willing to buy your house. Well, true. Yes, true. true. Until they'll buy it for pennies on the dollar and then they'll, they'll rejuvenate the whole area and everything right. will be happy. And go lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way the system works. But no, we, the, the whole idea of this, the swamp, the deep state. I mean, I can remember, you know, this, this, this Newsome thing. This is, uh, I've seen this movie before with Gray Davis, who was the California governor. Right. Uh, I guess about 20 years ago. Wasn't he the one um, that was recalled? Was complete, yeah. Yes, he was. He was a failure. He was a chooch. And uh, who replaced him? Arnold the, the governor. Arnold, yeah. Right. And he went up there. And he, you know, all, you know, <laughs> Mr. Olympia there, the Terminator, with all kinds of great intentions, and Sacramento ate him up and spit him out, okay? 
they deballed him and he was, you know, kind of not to be heard from again. Well, see, here's the good so, thing. This time around, you're going to get Caitlyn Jenner already been deballed. I, let me tell you something. I'll go on record right now. Boo. I would vote for Caitlyn in a heartbeat instead of uh, Newsom and many people. I would. Uh, how many people are going to write in Bruce? <laughs> well, see, no, that oh, would be put in jail. Well, they'll go to jail though for misgendering, <laughs> won't they? Yeah, <laughs> or dead naming. But dead I bet naming. you, I bet yeah. you, he'll take the votes, or she'll take the votes. However, way you want to look at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a weird world, but you know, Caitlyn Jenner can't do a worse job than, no. than no. what she got going now. Couldn't be worse than the Newsom. No. You know, try to bring some sanity. Try to bring, yeah. you know, and if you don't vote for caitlin jenner then you're transphobic right this this is what we had with america when with obama you, you you're not going to vote for obama you're a racist oh you don't like what obama's doing you're a racist well i mean caitlin jenner that's even better you you're a transphobic you you have to vote for caitlin jenner and then you, well, you for, can't go against anything that she says because then you're transphobic fortunately we've moved on to those dark times where your actions can get you labeled a racist and now <laughs> just your skin color gets you labeled a racist so your actions don't matter do what you want that's right we finally that's reached right. utopia but with that we do have some people to thank for supporting oh. us today on this oh my gosh we're on target for a three-hour show i know this is our two-year anniversary larry's here and it's always fun talking to larry and we do it's have a too few- much fun i know too much fun Larry makes too much sense. I should really just boot you off this show and get Larry all the time. That would be a much better show. <laughs> I know Ryan Except won't even disagree I'm, with that. I'm so far from a Ben. I'm practically, uh, I don't know, a, a, a nematode or something. And you guys start <laughs> oh, getting into SS. I heard your last show, you're talking like SSL sockets and Damons. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that shit. And when I, when I, when I do my fucking eyes I, cloud over. I recognize I some of these letters. Breath. Right. <laughs> Are they letters? This could be hieroglyphics. We don't know. What What do they mean? I'm like, holy shit. Even even Leo Laporte doesn't talk about this stuff. Holy shit. <laughs> well, that's because Leo doesn't know it. That's one of the reasons why I try to I try to bring it just so that we can still claim to have something to do with technology when we talk <laughs> politics all the time. Right. We can still point to the tech aspect of things because the tech aspect is really important now when it comes to voting machines, when it comes to moving forward that people want you to vote on your phones and there's a whole lot of technology that has been insinuated into our daily lives and is now being used as the instrument to subvert and enslave us and no question uh, we have to highlight that sort of thing so that people look at it and you know you know i i don't judge if you want to continue using google search after listening to all of the terrible things that they do then at least you're making an informed decision right, to yeah. do that. But, but you people don't even know how dangerous some of this stuff is. Yeah. Which is what we hope to bring and put the, uh, put the spotlight on the things that people really should know. So they can be informed. And we do have some experts who obviously felt they got some value out of the show, including coming in as our big executive producer today with over a number over the show number, which is always a rarity. And oh, cool. It is much appreciated. Sir OMA, Sir Omaha comes in with 200 bucks and a note that says two hundos for two years. Stay grumpy. Um, hey. Two hundos for two years. That's Ryan cool. asked before the show yeah. how many two year celebrations we could have this month because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this is actually is worth this doing is twice. Our- yes. 
This is our two-year month, so feel free to continue with that level of support That's every it. show this month. That's it. That's what my wife always says. So it's my birthday week. Every day this week, it's my birthday week. So Did that get expanded to birthday yeah. month? Then birthday too? month. Do it. Go for it. Yeah, that works. This, this is my birthday year. <laughs> Each and every year. Uh, but thank you, sir. OMA Omaha for listening, yes. for supporting the show. He has before as well that uh, this is uh, quite appreciated here for uh, the little podcast that two years ago, Ryan was like, well, if we make it to 50, you know, that'll be I good. You guys that. yeah. That'll be when. Well, I thought that's also when Ryan thought we'd be well, out of beta. We, we, we weren't sure we were going to make it to 24. There was precedent. Well, right. We had our 24 at 100 and something, and that may have just been more of a uh, of a stomach issue. But, you know, you have to give the fans what they want. And sometimes you have to pull the curtain back and sometimes you have to keep the curtain down. It's all part of the mystery of podcasting. But coming in also with $70, well, the equivalent of $70, because it came in as Ethereum, which I'm guessing that amount means that our buddy Duodenum was maybe doing some mining because that was uh, we had recommended there's a site to miners.com i believe it is that you can take part in a mining pool even if you don't have great computers with great graphics cards you can just let them run overnight or something like that and eventually you'll have enough to where they will turn that into the 0.05 i think it is ethereum or 0.005 what is maybe 0.05 whichever it's about 70 to 80 dollars and then when you get enough they just send that to your account. And we had uh, our buddy Mud Pig who did that and sent us the uh, the amount. So I don't know if, if where that came from or not, but we appreciate Duodenum coming in with 70 bucks. He said also cool. doing some accounting. He sent us $19.19 in October via Bitcoin, which he says is now worth $100. <laughs> He's like, how does that count towards guruhood? And we don't gamble here. Well, we gamble Duodenum, but. I mean, unless we maybe we need a system that if people send in crypto, if it goes up, they can get that credit. But if it goes down, then uh, they lose the credit because that's the problem. You sent us 20 bucks a few months ago. That's now worth 100 bucks. But it can and I needed down. to mention um, we, it didn't get all the way through all of the, the story per se, but it was it was enough. If you want to go read about the FLOC, um, the. Uh, we were turned on to that one by Duodenum, who sent out to a link to amiflocked.org, which is a, a site put up by the EFF that allows you to use, go there with your Chrome browser and see if you're that one in 200 who's now being told, uh, being used to test this new feature without, without even being informed, let alone consenting. Right. See if you're opted in. Yeah. So. So the, the EFF has a tool to, to see if you're one of the people opted in, and that's at miflocked.org. So this was the second donation we've gotten via, actually, no, the first via Ethereum, because Mudpig sent it in in cash form, because I don't think we had put all of the information out there. I know we hadn't. Now on our website, when you go to the donate page, you have our Bitcoin address, our Ethereum address, and our Cardano address, which is what I've been speculating in. Um, and it's been going up since I bought it. So that's good. I mean, it can go sure. down too, which is, uh, again, gambling. Always understand that with cryptos is they go up, they can go down. And it really, if somebody knew what they were doing, the most intriguing thing about cryptocurrency 
is that almost all of them have a daily pattern of going up and going down, going up, going down. They may end the day slightly higher or slightly lower, but during the day, there's usually some pretty massive uh, points where they're up and down. And if you really knew what you were doing and could play that game, you just buy at the low end. Mm. And when it gets to the top, well, you sell, then you wait for the next low end and then you you keep doing that. Except that the transactions are delayed when they have to wait for the blockchain. So it's a little hard to to nail transactions with a timestamp, but some more so than I, others. I, I look forward to and, and what, what you're talking about is is arbitrage. It's the same as day trading on the stock market. And right. uh, you know, lots of people who if you if you're hooked in, you can make decisions and actions very fast and you're willing to put a ridiculous amount of effort to it. You can always make money on arbitrage. Um, I, I honestly look forward to, and I don't think we're there yet, but to the time when, uh, you know, people look at crypto and they'll say, uh, you know, the, the 33 Ethereum is not worth this many dollars, but rather people just think about it as this is worth 33 Ethereum. And, and it, it has to function as a coin or, or as a currency before that can happen, which is why I don't think we're there yet. Transactions are still too kludgy on, on all of them. But w- once we get there, then it does it really, you know, the, uh, part of the reason why Bitcoin is, is passing. I mean, you know, have they passed like a hundred million yet per Bitcoin? I, I don't know. If Over 60,000. Yeah. It seems to be headed that direction, but is it because Bitcoin is becoming really valuable or is it because the dollar is tanking? Does it matter? At some point, you know, a thousand Satoshis is going to be worth a thousand Satoshis and you don't think about how much it is, but that's when it can behave as a currency. And and maybe we'll get there. I don't think we're there yet. Well, the only way that happens is when things stabilize. And I don't see that happening ever. If it does, it's going to be a long time before it stabilizes enough to be, oh, I'm not worried about what ethereum is worth or what bitcoin is worth and it's just it is what it is that we're still a little bit down the line from that but maybe we'll get there and I, it's a question is what which of the cryptocurrencies will win and that That's is the, the biggest issue is the fluctuation and yeah. i don't you know until people can trust that what they have in their wallet at the beginning of the day is going to be the same amount at the end of the day that's when it's no longer gambling. That's when it is a currency. When that is not changing minute. By, I mean, I have a little uh, tracker yeah. just for fun on my device that I've got sitting here, the stream deck, which I punched in how much of the Cardano I have. So it reports back to me like every few seconds it updates and tells me how much that's worth. And you could watch it go up. You could watch it go down. This is not something that is stable it it's way more stable than some of the cryptos but it's changing all the time and that is not no people don't want to wake up in the morning and look at their checking account and go oh look i got five hundred dollars and then they look at the an hour later wait i have four hundred dollars and then they look two hours later oh i got eight hundred dollars it's it's not good it's it it seems to me that i mean that unless one issue whether it's you know ripple or or Bitcoin. Oh, I wish I would have bought. It just, when, just has to. When Ripple crashed um, because there was a, the threat yeah. of a lawsuit, it crashed to 33 cents. And I was like, oh, the magic number. I thought right. about putting a few hundred bucks into it, which it's up to like a buck 30 now again. So I was like, damn it. I well, yeah. should have bought Ripple. But I mean, the, the average Joe, I mean, of which I consider myself is, you know, it's, it's that thing, you know, a dollar is a dollar, even though the dollar is fluctuating all the time. But you don't you don't think of it in those terms. 
And like you said, Darren, you want to know how much is in that checking account. So it seems, it seems to me that until one of these issues becomes the, prime, the primary one, whichever it is, and stabilizes it, I don't see how this can become a, 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 a common method of exchange of value, you know? Right. And they have to get something. Well, they have to get by what they call the gas fees, which are just the fees associated with Mm -hmm. making a purchase or transferring money with these systems, which is also uh, quite high, which is kind of crazy. And well, those have got to come down. Yes, for sure. But for people to use them, I I, I know that I'm probably I'm not there's going to be some crypto people out there who will. Uh, chastise me for thinking this way, but I also don't think that any of the crypto can be a real currency as long as there is a percentage transaction fee built into every possible exchange. If I can't, if I can't hand you one Bitcoin and exactly 1.0 Bitcoin comes out of my wallet and 1.0 Bitcoin goes into your wallet and nobody is taking a, a 5% cut or whatever, right. then it's still not a currency because we, if we can't hand it back and forth indefinitely and, and keep the same value, then you're, I don't know. Well, no, I, that's I'm, a good I'm, point because you can't, if we, you know, if we have a hundred dollar bill and the three of us are sitting at a bar, you know, playing a game that whoever's the one, won the last hand gets the hundred dollar bill. Well, if you were doing that with crypto by the end of the day, you'd be down to like 20 bucks because all the fees would have eaten or, or less that would have eaten that away for every time that bill changed hands that, that, you know, a percentage and, disappears. And and the fees are kind of built in as, as a, uh, a way of paying for the maintenance of the system. But it, it, I mean, it's an inherent problem with the system. At what point can, you know, is it possible to build a system that can maintain itself without, being an economic percentage drain and i i don't know I, I don't know if that's possible and there might be coins out there that try that but it you know if nothing else then you know as long as this a coin is based on proof of work then you you've got a, a, a non-trivial actually significant cost in electricity just to keep the blockchain going right well that's where cardano's different and i do believe that that is one that is either going to just die and i really wish i would have bought the cardano when it was about five cents at the beginning of last year, rather than a little over a buck. But it's one that I've seen uh, the people guessing it's going to be going up to five relatively quickly because of the NFT crap that's going on. That scam, that's going to be a bubble, but (laughs) all of this stuff is being added and they do things differently. So it's very low fees. It's very low. The amount of time that it takes, it's much lower power usage. So, I mean, I could be totally wrong. Don't take anything I uh, say as advice to put money into things, but do your own homework and check out the different cryptos because something eventually is most likely going to win unless all the governments of the world just decide to go. Nope, they're all illegal. If you have money in any of them, we're going to go after you, which India seems like they may be doing and we have to follow that. But, you know, with that said, we're, we're getting off the. Off the beaten track here, we have to thank Sir Omaha and Duodenham, who are executive producers. And we do have a few associate executive producers today, including Sir Jackson coming in with 20 bucks and a note that says happy two year anniversary. Stay grumpy. Sir Jackson located in the hopefully not soon to be California state of Texas. So see, there's people in yeah. Texas worried, Larry, that all oh, the people are. that live by you 
are moving there and going to yeah. turn their state into your state. Oh, they're yeah. terrified and with good reason. Sure. <laughs> uh, all, all of the, you know, the, the, the far left, far, far left people are staying in California because they love wallowing in the heaping piles of trash on the street. But the, the people who are, are kind of leftist and think that unions are great and that the government can solve problems, but just aren't quite on board with the authoritarianism are all moving out to places because they're, yeah. they want to get out of California, but then they go to Texas and they're like, well, what you do you mean? Are too that conservative. Could, yeah. What do you <laughs> mean that I could be fired if I do a bad job? We need to vote in somebody who's going to protect jobs, you know, and, and that's how, yeah. that's what the people in Texas are afraid of. Oh, sure. Yeah. Is anybody yeah. else totally shocked that the Amazon folks are voting against unionizing? Hmm. Well, I, yeah, I, I've got a, I've got a whole philosophy and rant on, <laughs> on union jobs in white collar. And uh, because uh, when I was there at Microsoft, they had no less than three different pushes of pe- one person or another trying to push for starting a union amongst Microsofties. And even, even as leftist as all my coworkers were, most of them were like, no, I don't have any benefit from unionizing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, how is this going to change my life rather than the people that are running the union? Well, I, I mean, and then to put it shortly, uh, you know, unions were created amongst factory workers back in the 1800s when you had uh, literally like unskilled blue collar workers who either unskilled or low skilled where where the job could be f- replaced really quickly. And if you have a job which doesn't require a lot of skill, uh, unskilled labor and you speak out. Or you do something wrong or you step out of line, then the company come come down and completely cancel you and throw somebody in for, you know, half your pay and almost no cost to retrain. So it, it made a lot of sense way back in the day for unskilled or blue collar labor to unionize. And, and that's where union, you know, when unions were an important and necessary component of, of the capitalist life. Um, the place where unions don't make sense is if, if you are a programmer on the, you know, say the Windows audio stack and you happen to have written a large component of it, then you are one of the only people who really understands that. And the cost of the company to replace you is way beyond salary and way beyond, uh, you know, your, your benefits and the, the HR cost, but is also what is it going to cost to get somebody else to get the specialized knowledge that you have? And this is true of, of anything that's under the category of skilled labor, where y- you have some special skills that are not easily replaced. In that case, uh, negotiating as part of a union is not beneficial. Right. And, and in fact, if, if I am the only person who could possibly do this job, I am in a fantastic negotiating position with the company. Because they stand to lose a hell of a lot more than my salary if they decide to replace me because I am skilled labor. And for that, what it means is that unions and skilled labor are, are, are warts on a log. They are really not necessary for the original purpose of unions. And more importantly, they, they have unions in the last 40, 50 years have turned into purely political entities that tend to get in the way of things. Makes sense. Anyway, we were talking about experts <laughs> also coming in. <clears throat> yes. And there are uh, currently 99 people listening in on the no agenda stream as we do the show live and they come along 
to troll That's along. Three times thirty-three. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is the magic number times can, three. Can you blame him? Larry is a much bigger get than John C. Dvorak. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's that's so true. Uh, Ryan Bemrose said that. I just want to point that out in case John's listening. Um, <laughs> Linda Sarunian <laughs> comes in with fifteen dollars. No note. Our buddy Keith Von Dyke came in with ten dollars as he has Hello, been Keith. each and every month. He, he's a Larry Show guy too, right? He is. Thank you, Keith. He is a good guy and uh, play, play the that Larry show donation jingle. <laughs> we, we, we need some jingles. We need a few jingles. And our buddy Brian Hall comes in with three bucks. Everybody is appreciated. That helps support the show. Keeps everything. I was going to say, you know, literally gets the new microphones humming like Ryan's yeah. brand new microphone. So everything sounds good. The server costs all this. We do have some bills that have to be paid. And it's very much appreciated when people support the show. And you can go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate, and you can click the PayPal button to do a one-time or monthly donation. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the check or money order route. And you can use a variety of cryptocurrencies. All the addresses are there. And I have to say, I noticed a change recently on your show, Larry. All of a sudden, you're you're pushing the P.O. Box a little bit more. Is that working? I absolutely am. It is. It is working. and. um because more and more people are seem to be wising up to uh, uh, the games that um, that PayPal and and and, and the Patreon play, you know, so uh, they want to get, you know, just not use those those channels. And I'm I'm good with that, you know. I like going to the post office. There's sometimes some nice people there. <laughs> sometimes and sometimes sometimes, sometimes not. Well, but, it you know, it, okay. it doesn't yeah. pay. It doesn't pay. Literally, doesn't pay to reduce the number of ways that somebody can get you money true correct and when it comes down i mean that's what we pushed once we got the p.o box opened up was the fact that there's no middleman which means if you send us two dollars ten dollars whatever it all goes to us there's no fee being taken out and for the smaller donations those are much bigger percentages when you deal with paypal or patreon or something like that and the reality is it's pretty easy. I mean, I have a great system because my wife m- most of the time just will stop at the post office on the way home from work. So I don't even have to leave the house and I can put the money into the account by taking a picture with my app on my phone. Did you, did you know that, Ryan? To get your money, I have to use an app. Well, I don't have to, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's a much more convenient way to deposit a check. You just take a picture of it and. Sure. It gets deposited. So then you, it's a it's a beautiful system. The P.O. box address is another way to not be deplatformed for right. people to be able to support the show and not have to worry about, well, somebody in the interim's going to, uh, you know, going to try to stop the show from going on. We had a, a self-proclaimed millennial named Kyle who's like, oh, you're, you're a guinea pig. I've never sent a check this way through the bank's online bill pay and i'm like oh that's great i mean we we one we love to be that kind of guinea pig but this is working out really well for a lot of people including our buddy progo who i think was the first one to set up a monthly donation through the online bill pay and then our buddy meet us a fun fact friday uh radix 023 um there's, there was a few other people i'm sure i'm forgetting that have them just set up that just the checks just show up so yeah. It's a beautiful thing there as well. So it could be a set it and forget it. You don't have to worry about it. And it just happens. The bank pays for the envelope. They pay for the check. They pay for the postage. 
And I was intrigued the other day. There were two envelopes, but in the one envelope, there were three donations from three different people who are totally not connected, except that their banks all obviously use the same service to send the checks out. So it just works. It just works. And I know you're still on terribly convenient. (laughs) Right. It is terribly convenient. You're all about convenience on this show. You know, Larry, you're still doing the, you know, the Patreon thing, but we, as we've talked about before, there are so many pitfalls with the Patreon thing. And do do you ever feel like you're just one big rant away from them pulling the plug on you? Or, uh, I mean, what's the, what's the backup? You know, I, I don't, I should have a backup, Darren, and I don't. Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder about that. Yeah. Um, who, who can say? I mean, it's just, I, I was going to ask you guys too. I mean, I, I get the, um, the part about how, how Adam has, has tried and I guess supposed you too is to make, make yourselves as invulnerable to cancellation, uh, at least or distri- via distribution as possible. But is, you know, what would happen to any of our shows if we were flipped out of, um, Google or Apple or, and any of the bigger distribution hubs. I mean, it would be disastrous, would it not? And what's the alternative? Well, the, the most authentic of marketing method will still work, which is word of mouth. It's just slow as hell. Right. right. Yeah. And that's what you, Um, I think that's kind of what you rely on anyway, because as you said on one of your recent episodes as well, Larry, has Facebook really ever, suggested anybody join that larry group or no they tell you that's part of the part of the deal that well we'll look for people with likewise thinking and then yeah sure they want you to spend money on ads and you've spent money on ads and did it work no nothing absolutely no zero result did nothing facebook yeah (laughs) you know podcasts are slightly insulated by the fact that we all have different hosts and there's a lot of hosting companies out there, although I think a lot of them now are doing nothing but buying space from other hosting companies. So, I mean, the yeah. the the domino effect might well, not be that far down the line. And and if if you're going to go and try to start moderating podcasts, then I think that the you know, the first place you try to go is the indexes. But and, and go to, you know, because if you can get Apple and Google on board, which is easy to do, it, you right. can do a lot of damage. but. Places like Podcast Index are, are starting to make that more difficult. Uh, the second place that you go is the hosting company. And, uh, he, you know, what you said that we we try to insulate ourselves. Do you know what we've actually done to try to insulate ourselves from being canceled by a big company? What? We have our own ISP account. Okay. We, we, we have our own domain with right. hosting through the ISP, which doesn't go through any of the really big and and I mean, it's a little rough. We had to up our plan uh, a couple months ago because uh, we were uh, you know, our downloads reached a point where we were using too much CPU. But right. that's that's what we're doing. We're we're not we're not going through Libsyn or Blueberry or or right. you know Buzzsprout or I mean those are, those are all fine companies, but mm-hmm. they are theoretically cancelable. We just oh, went sure. okay. ISP, give us. Give us space for a website and so much bandwidth. And we, you know, Darren put up a WordPress site and we just upload all of our files to that. And that's where they're downloaded from. It's not that difficult. 
No. Yeah. And that's one thing a lot of podcasters that are getting into podcasting don't realize is they fall into, I need podcast hosting. And no, you just need a good host because any host can host those MP3s. Now, some of them may boot your behind right off. You know, if you start doing too much, I mean, Nick, the rat was using GoDaddy for a long time. We finally got him to move over to the ISP that we're using. And he said, it's been a breath of fresh air because you can actually get support. And the people that are dealing with you from the company actually care about what's going on, but you don't need to. Because a comic strip blogger did one time say, well, you should be on one of these uh, was one of the podcasting platforms. Maybe it was Blueberry or one of those. And I pointed out how much more we would have to be paying for doing eight shows a month that were over two hours a piece that just added up fairly quickly. And, you know, there's something to be said for just finding a good small host that will allow you to store your files because MP3s don't care where they are. You don't need a special podcast host what they'll try to sell you on and i'm sure it's it's helpful to some people because sites like libsyn will give you certain stats that they try to accumulate to give you numbers that maybe mean something but beyond that any podcast kind of works but uh i mean speaking of csb i he did send in a note that i was going to add on uh one of the other things about the hosting the mp3s uh depending on where this goes i know that in uh in the podcasting 2.0 space, they are, Adam has really been pushing for, uh, bringing online some kind of IPFS system that would actually solve that problem for a lot of people without having to sign over to, uh, a hosting company. It, it's, it's the idea is in its infancy, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is it's possible that, uh, even the hosting the MP3s might become much less of a burden that way a little more decentralized yeah. if it, yeah that's kind of like a a bit torrent type thing i believe how that all works yeah that's, with, that's my understanding is it's a, a, a it's very bit torrent like it's a decentralized yeah where everybody has parts of files I, i'm I, you know i'm not actually sure so i'll stop talking about it somebody's gonna try oh, to fact check me. wait wait we're two years in and you're finally not you're finally stopping talking about something because you might not know what you're talking about if you would have done that two years ago, we wouldn't even have a show. It would have been a lot of silence. That's why I had to wait. Right, I had to wait. Uh, comic strip blogger message and said, uh, tell Larry, confirm my LinkedIn friend request. So I guess he sent you a request on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I will. He said that you should release your book, Survival Gear for Your Career, as a Kindle book. Because in the EU, you would have to pay $60 or something to get it. And he wants the book, but he wants a... Uh, a okay. digital version. I don't know if you have any of the stuff in digital. There version. is if if you're, uh, there's there's a digital version of the book. Oh no, that one survive. Oh, I'm thinking of another book. No, I don't. Have, there's no digital version of survival gear for your career. Um, and uh, that would be a tough one to do because it's so uh, it's so graphically rich. It's you know it's a, it's a takeoff on the LL Bean catalog, catalog <laughs> the corporate spin. Nice. And so, uh, you know, if it was pure text, the Kindle thing would be pretty easy, but I think it gets a lot more problematic. <laughs> yeah, if there's a lot of graphics, and I mean, you can maybe do it as like a PDF or something like that. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. PDFs are great idea. for digital publishing, but not really great on a Kindle. Well, he does. Well, yeah. Well, CSB has the iPad, so that would probably be perfect oh, yeah. For, yeah. for the iPad. Yeah. It, you know, it's a funny thing you mentioned LinkedIn. 
And uh, I've, I've never, LinkedIn has been, it, it always, bu- it always bugged me. You know, LinkedIn just pisses me off. Uh, LinkedIn <laughs> bugs everybody. Be, yes. It's, it's, just, it's the it's incessant like, emails. It, it's the incessant emails, but more than that, it's just where people just take the fucking gloves off on, uh, on, on the, on the shameless self-promotion and bullshit <laughs> of their achievements. And, you know, I, I did this and I did that. It's, and it, you know, you read three of those profiles and you can just, it just reeks. You want to go, uh, you, you know, wipe your face because it's, it's, it's a fire hose of bullshit. And so, um, I had had a, you know, a conventional LinkedIn, uh, profile for, for a few years and they keep sending me the emails and for the fuck of it, I went and I just made it all that Larry show, you know, and, uh, wiped all the other stuff. And I said, right in there, I, I said in my profile, I despise this platform. <laughs> and I will never, I say there, I swear to God, I despise this platform and I will never communicate with anyone, uh, over, over this, uh, over this platform. If you want to get at me, go to, uh, you know, that Larry show at gmail.com. And I, but still I get the, I get the, because I hadn't touched the LinkedIn in probably five years, I guess getting emails from them. Welcome back. Nice to see you. Great job on your, on your new profile. And all my profile says is, Hey, LinkedIn, fuck you. <laughs> It's too funny. They're not you know? reading it, obviously. No, obviously they're not. No. <laughs> no, that, that doesn't surprise me. That does not surprise me. Yeah. Uh, and he also says that to tell you you're wrong regarding all corporate jobs are bad. He says some people have fun with corporate jobs. I'm sure they do, CSB. I'm sure they do, too. <laughs> I, you know, I, but uh, hyperbole is part of the uh, trade here, isn't it? Yeah. I, so, uh, well, I CSB is very hell. literal. I love the hell out of the, the stuff I was working on and I really enjoyed the people I was working with in my corporate job. I was, I was surrounded by some of the smartest people in the entire computer industry when I was there. It was interesting technology. It was fun problems. I got really sick of the corporate bullshit that kept pouring down from above. It it was, Mm -hmm. if I could. Focus entirely on the technology in front of me, the developer as I was working with, and never look up the chain any higher than my own manager to find out what we needed to focus on. Then I was really happy. But yeah. corporate life was nothing more than a constant deluge of of yeah. meetings and bullshit, and uh, just it, at some point you're you know you said you want you want to wash your face after every time yeah. you read a corporate email that comes from the the head of some. Yeah department or something and you're saying it, it wears someone down you're singing mcafee's song and think about that that gay guy became a centimillionaire right he was certainly a tech titan of his day and he told me exactly what you just said he said his happiest times were when he would hunker down with the two or three of his buddies and and ferret out these viruses and figure out how to fuck to defeat them whatever you know i don't know how that how that works apparently he does you do he says, but as soon as that thing it's became a, a corporation with meetings and minutes, and he says he he, just, he hated it. He hated it from that moment on, onward, and that's we did, why he decided ultimately to just sell and cut and run and do what he's doing. Well, and there's a lot to hate with the corporate jobs, and I thought it was kind of ironic that CSB also sent me a link, which was in regards to the unionization of spotify's gimlet media and then ringer which was another one but these are both spotify companies who are unionizing and they're putting together the paperwork which will become their bible more or less 
And do you have what would you be your guess that would be the minimum salary for a Gimlet podcast host? Minimum salary per year, Gimlet podcast host with this new unionization. Zero. $110,000 a year. Oh. Well, if you have a job, yes. It's a little bit over zero. But that is really that's that's a podcast host salary, minimum salary. So where how do we get into all this? That's what I want. Yeah, exactly. Mike's my question exactly. I don't That was my wife's with. question too. How do we so how do you how do you get a job with these people? Um <laughs> it's 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 an interesting list here. I mean, associate producers, seventy-five thousand, editor, a hundred and twenty five thousand. Does that mean somebody that's I mean, do, literally do, editing? Do I need to just shore up my skills of reading Wikipedia articles into a, a microphone? Because that's what half of those podcasts are. I of think course. so. Yes. To Absolutely. be a producer, which I thought, you know, being a producer meant you were just giving money. Well, that's $87,000 a year. Uh, being a reporter producer, 87000 a year. Associate editor, 100000 a year. Senior producer, 110. And uh, senior producer, supervisory, 20, 110000 Um This doesn't sound like podcasting money. This sounds like <laughs> bullshit money. Um, and so this is what, I'm unclear, this is what they'll get if the union run by the header to that it is the collective the bargaining that. agreement between the writers yeah. guild and gimlet I, media i, I, I stand guess. by my prediction which is that if this goes through then gimlet will go out of business and every one of these people will be making yeah. zero i think this correct. did go through but you yes I, I might not i would agree with yeah. you on that yeah <laughs> or a lot of people are going to get dumped from their podcasts on the uh on the that you know aren't making the money this came from the mm. press room at uh let's see uh podcasted writers and producers of gimlet media and ringer two of the first podcast production companies to unionize so they have unionized and they're part oh. of the writers guild of america east mm. ratified their collective bargaining agreement so yeah you're right this probably means that everybody involved are about to uh be out of a job. Significant increases to salary minimums with the ringer establishing 57,000 plus overtime as entry level, the entry level floor in Gimlet Media beginning at $73,000 a year. Hmm. So sure, we're unionizing. Hooray. Say goodbye, Spotify. That would be my guess as well. Yeah. So. Be- you, you've mentioned the LinkedIn and I had to go and dig up in my email. I found a, a message that they had sent me and this pretty much tells you what you need. Uh, if you listen to the show, my history work is I've done mostly systems programming in C++, in uh, Windows 32 API, that sort of thing. So they sent me a message that said, I'm going to read it. We reviewed your profile on LinkedIn and think that you're perfect for these jobs. Here's check out this job uh, opening. Mail and hooker? No, it. Well, I would be pretty good for that. <laughs> no, it was. It, uh, here's the technologies they want. Uh, they want at least uh, four years of React, uh, four years of front end development in uh, or web development, uh, a bunch of JavaScript experience. They want Python. None of these technologies are on my LinkedIn because none of them were something that I used when I was working in the field. You didn't review my profile. 
You saw my name was listed there and went, let's throw some jobs and see what happens. In fact, I was probably one of 300,000 people they sent that same job offer to. Well, they saw that you had a programming language and they figured that if you know one, you probably know them all. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I maintain that one, you know, once you've learned a couple of programming languages, it's kind of like spoken languages. Every additional one is easier. And I know enough programming languages that you throw a language at me, give me a, a reference and uh, a couple hours to write some hello world stuff. And I will pick up the skill. But I don't have React experience because, well, because it's it's the, the one of the main technologies for creating websites that don't fucking work when you disable JavaScript. But I, I yeah, I why why are you even asking? Why are you offering me? The, why is my name on your list? Does does C plus plus look like React to you? Yes. Do they get paid if they like put you with somebody that uh, that hires? You? I don't know. Well, actually, most of these messages are from recruiting firms who get paid if they manage to connect somebody with a job and emails are cheap. Just send out hundreds of thousands of emails and see who bites. That's right. See what and they don't even so, have to be people that are looking for jobs or that are. I only mention that because that's the value of LinkedIn. <laughs> well, there is no <laughs> real value of LinkedIn. No. It's just another cesspool company that was a good idea at one point. Yeah, but then kind of went downhill, and but but then got bought out by Microsoft, right? That got bought out by Microsoft. So that's how you know that the company be no good. Although there's really no tech company you trust at this point. Is there any tech company making more than a few million a year that you go, wow, I'd buy their product because they stand for what I stand for. Any? Is there any? Probably. Well, uh, you know, I'm not asking for people to share my political opinions. There are very few people in the world like that, and I'm not quite that exclusive. What I would like is for somebody, anybody that I deal with, I want them to deal fairly, and I want their politics to not infringe on our business dealings. And right. the number of companies out there for whom that simple criteria still applies is dwindling rapidly. Well, it's because when they're get, giving in to the social justice warriors within their own company. Yeah, which is it's a cancer. It destroys companies from the inside. Unfortunately, it's not doing it fast enough. <laughs> That's yeah. true. I mean, well, it's become I mean, face it, all advertising has become or will become virtue signaling. And uh, it's it's mind blowing. You know, I remember when uh, when this when this pandemic began, um, I just whatever. I forget why the hell I did, but I was. Surfing around, looking at corporations, specifically car companies, um, how they were responding to this, and um, it was it's so many of them. You know, we're in this together, and suddenly there's this spin on cars and COVID. I'm like, where the fuck is the connection here? You know, talk about cheesy borrowed interest. It was t- terrible. Yeah. Um, and, and and the worst, of course, was Honda. You know, it's just this repulsive, treacly, saccharine bullshit. <laughs> you know, we're we're here. You know, we're here well, to help. Really, well, I'll tell you what. If, will you give me a free car? Will you give me that much help? I, how about even a six month lease on the arm? No, <laughs> you know, no. Well, help? How they never say how. All um, of the cars that they're advertising are soy mobiles too. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Well, yeah. don't you miss the advertising so, that was just uh, bikini babes or hot women in a bar, oh, and then a guy God. ordered the right beer, and then he got laid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, sure do. Uh, uh, 
I, I, I don't remember. I'm not old enough to remember a time when they actually got laid in the attic. <laughs> it was implied. It was oh. well implied. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, but that's uh, those days are gone. Yeah. And. But it's it's uh, that's oh. true. I mean, everything in every aspect of everything. Now, there has to be some socially. Res- I, I actually saw something. This made me laugh out loud when I saw it. So uh, Facebook served me up an ad. Okay, for a fucking wristwatch made of sustainable materials. I'm thinking, what what is this? Is it pine what? or what? asparagus or <laughs> what? What the fuck does that mean? It's a, and who 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 would buy that? Oh, I got this. I'm saving the planet because I bought a, a, a wristwatch made of uh, pine. They, I mean, they never underestimate the number of gullible people. It, if you Jesus. see advertising that's appealing to somebody's complete tendency to get taken in, you know. That the whole reason that advertising is out there is that there are people that don't. True. Yeah. True. I think the the most iconic one that I can think of right now was was uh, a, a instance of virtue signaling and advertising was. Do you remember? I think it was a Super Bowl commercial a couple of years ago from Gillette. Oh where, yeah. Where basically, men are bad. Out, oh. <laughs> they, they I did put an entire an episode on that. I did a whole episode on that. <laughs> oh. It was called. And it was called Larry Slashes Gillette. And it was me with like a blood soaked machete over one shoulder. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. Now I need to go yeah. find that one. Yeah. Uh, I, but I the, the best that thing about vividly. that, the entire ad campaign was be less masculine. And, and right. I think they stopped short of actually saying, you know, take hormones and transition to women. But my mm. thought was always, uh, okay, if, you know, what, what, what exactly is it that causes people to need Gillette products? It's testosterone because that's what causes you to grow hair. If you don't have any testosterone, like you're becoming a total, you know, soy boy or whatever, then you don't need Gillette razors. So they're actively advertising against their business model. Sure. But they don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, It's always good to insult the people you're trying to sell to. Yes. Yes. But that's what the government keeps doing with the minorities who can't figure out how to get an ID. In government doesn't to, have to sell anything they just take what they want by force they just take good. what they want that's true well they're still selling their ideas and allegedly getting votes for them i say allegedly, allegedly. Votes for them. <laughs> well they no, they're absolutely getting votes they're allegedly having people vote for them yeah that's right. yeah they're allegedly getting enough to win elections but yeah the whole advertising thing has changed so much that i still can't wrap my head around how it's working for these companies and I've mentioned it before, Victoria's Secret has made a complete change to their advertising, which is just unfathomable because it's like, well, what is your what is the base of people that are buying your product? And the fact that you totally changed what your advertising looks like due to who you're hiring as models is a little bit strange to me. I would like to know what it's doing to their bottom line. Because I can't yeah. see that it's been a good thing. But this is how advertising overall is being changed from. And I don't even care the racial aspect of Victoria's Secret. The fact that they went from almost no black models to a vast majority, that I don't even care about. It's they're going to women who are out of shape and are big and are you know older. And it's like advertising used to be selling the fantasy. And it. it what this does to society as a whole, when when the reality is way worse than what you could have imagined, um, was it was it really so bad 
to sell that fantasy of those beer commercials that, hey, look, that guy got a Miller Lite and he the women just came up all over him. What was so bad about that? What was so bad about giving people a little hope that yeah, maybe well, they- it was aspirational? Yeah. And it's, it's not anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's bad. I mean, that's I just don't get it. I don't get the change because it is that from you go from that James Bond lifestyle that it's like, hey, wouldn't that be cool? I could be, you know, whatever. Rich, famous, right. have the nice car now. And it's like, what do you what are you what are you striving for now? Well, you're not supposed to strive for anything, slave. You're enslaved. You're you're just supposed to be part of the cog in a big machine now. I, I always I always loved the the beer commercials from back in the day for the fact that what what they were offering was if you drink our beer, then hot women will come on to you. And right. what they were what you were really getting was if you drink our beer, then every woman near you looks hot enough to go for. <laughs> yeah. Or or as uh, Sir Omaha says, they were fawning over a dog. Well, remember Spuds McKenzie? Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Go that was Spuds. the ugliest freaking dog too. <laughs> Spuds. Oh, come oh. on. Spuds was awesome. A dog looked a while, like they, a misshapen potato. For a while, Target stole Spuds. Remember? They were using uh, the same exact breed. It's an English bull terrier. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why they did that, but they did. Because it was yeah. working. Advertising it was working. has it. They don't always go to get new ideas. Kind of right. like music. They go, huh, that worked for this person. Let's do that. Mm. Yeah. Which is kind of how we got to this problem in society overall is a lot of dumb people who are using a lot of dumb ideas that never actually work. But we're being told they work when it comes to what's going on in the schools. What's going on? Well, you know, we're going to have to raise taxes, you know, but that's not going to send businesses running. No, Joe Biden told us that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But that that pretty much guarantees it's true. Joe Biden (laughs) told us it pretty much means it is going to happen. Yeah. So what can people look forward to in the next few that Larry? I know you said you're working on an episode. uh, Is there? there Yeah. Well, I've got uh, I've got a bonus episode coming up soon. And that's overdue. And uh, in that one, um, I'm going to recount a uh, kind of a, an oddball uh, childhood experience. I won't get into now, but it's it's one of those things that's it's been it's been, been haunting not me but uh, my family's opinion of me, <laughs> and it's it's been a, yeah, it's really <laughs> weird. Uh, but they so think I can't, you're I, a Republican. Uh, no, that's no. It's, it's a little bit bit different than that. And then then I'm working on one that I'm really excited about um, for, the, for this that'll be out this Wednesday. I don't know if you guys are aware of it. It's not getting a lot. It's not getting any national uh, heat, I think. But there's a there's a there's a saloon in Burbank, California called the called Tinhorn Flats. Okay, country bar and huh? Country bar. It's, I've never been there, and I'm because, and I wish I had, but I don't think I ever will be there. Be, going there because um, what's happened was this guy apparently was a, a, a staple in Burbank for many years, maybe decades. And uh, the owner, when the when the pandemic hit, he complied. You know, he shut down, did all the stuff, and for first to flatten the curve, and then the the masking and so forth. And then when the second what surge hit or, or lockdown, he said, "Hey, fuck you! I'm not doing this." Okay, I'm I'm staying open, and the, what he was staying open was an outdoor patio. Okay, not inside, and so the city of Burbank said, "Fuck, fuck us! No, not fuck it, fuck you!" Yeah. And so they 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 had the power company cut his electricity, and he said, r- r- "Fuck you!" And some patrons brought in nice Honda generators. <laughs> and he kept going, right? 
Then the city said, fuck you back. And they boarded up and padlocked his, uh, his door. Oh, yeah. He came back with a claw hammer and bolt cutters and back in business. This went back and forth uh, for a while. Then they, then they um, put sandbags in front of the door. They put a, like a pyramid, probably, probably, I'm sure it was several tons of sandbags against the board that they put in his front door. He offloaded those. But then the cops were there and said, hey, that city property, you're a vandal. You're going to jail. <laughs> right? So they, so they locked how, the guy up. How okay? can people still believe that these lockdowns are about health or safety? They're not. This is They're about not. control. This is 100%. Totally about of, control. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And so this is back. This is back to what I was saying earlier about about governments are people and people are, are vindictive fucking pricks. So now the final thing that got me interested in this was I, I saw a, uh, <clears throat> a thing. Some I forget where. What happened was just three or four days ago, the city hired contractors that did to his saloon what Nancy Pelosi did to the Capitol building, except her fencing, I believe, is temporary. These motherfuckers went out there and they bored into the concrete and the sidewalk and they sunk the stanchions. And there's now probably a 10 foot chain link fence surrounding his saloon completely. And a restraining order, if he even sets foot on the sidewalk in front of his property, he'll be locked up for a fourth time. And so there are people protesting outside. There's a, a permanent detail of four cops there, not to protect the protesters, but to make sure that he, they can pinch him if he comes back to try to, with bolt cutters for the fencing. Okay, this is beyond belief. This is fucking Soviet Russia. So California, I did, this is the first time yeah, I've never done I've never done a what I would consider a journalistic uh, um, show, but this time it will be because I went out there and I talked to a bunch of people, took a load of photographs and interviewed them, and I've got uh, I've got recordings of them giving their story. I'm pretty excited about it. So, yeah, well, that is that. This sounds is a, pretty I mean, awesome. I'm pretty sure this was covered on Breitbart, but it was probably one little article. I, I knew this was happening. I didn't realize they had fenced off the yeah. property and what length they're going to i mean this yeah. is what should get politicians thrown out of office because this is not oh, being done nothing else has well no there are right. things i mean this, you, this can, is you can say that but i mean it's a slow moving system but i mean you got the governor of california being recalled so this it may be a it may be rare but there are people finally waking up that are like you know we've had enough of this stuff i, I mean I, i'll I'll go back 15 months and say that that any governor, any politician who locked down their city because of a virus that should get them thrown out of office. That was unprecedented violation of the Constitution. And of it, it, it just it, it's never it, it, it's so incredibly out there that no politician mm-hmm. should ever have survived that alone. Everything since right. then. Yeah. Okay. Well, give me reason number seven hundred forty-one. This guy should be thrown out of office. Yeah. I I even gave a pet name to my governor for this sort of thing. You love your governor there in the Seattle area in (laughs) beautiful Wisconsin. And then we got (laughs) Jay Pritzker. I mean, there's a lot of J's, right? That's Jay Pritzker too. So, uh, you know, I don't know. There's something about the letter J that's bad juju. You don't want to. You don't want to be involved. I guess in the. uh, the Tin Horn Flats thing, I guess Adam Carolla has been involved in that, too, fighting that. Yeah. So um, yeah. maybe they'll be, they'll be nice to see the uh, the little guy win something for a change. I would yeah. I would hope. But what was shocking, I stood there for, you know, about an hour and a half talking to talk to a lot of people for, you know, at length. 
And um, a lot of people, because there was probably 25 or 30 people there and they're waving flags and they got a speaker set up, you know, playing Lee Greenwood songs and that kind of thing. And <laughs> God one, bless then somebody the USA. brought a barbecue. They were flipping burgers there and so forth. It was nice. Um, and a lot, most of the people driving by would blow their horns and give thumbs up and so forth. It was, but, but every, every, about every 15 minutes, some asshole could fuck you, cocksuckers, you know. So they're not waking up. And the, and the, the crazy thing about it, um, they had a kind of a desk with a sign in sheet if you wanted to lend support or whatever. And it said, you know, you're next. And it's totally true because Burbank, Burbank is the de facto sort of barracks for the studios. Okay. There are no mansions in Burbank, right? The guys that run the studios, they live in Bel Air. They live in Beverly Hills. They live in Hidden Hills. They don't, they don't live in Burbank. They're right. little bungalow homes. Of course, they're, they're worth probably a million or more apiece, but they're not palatial. And, and Burbank is a town of small businesses. It's post-production guys, you know, audio sweetening houses, places like that, boutiques, whatever. You know, that's, that's the real backbone of that, that economy. And all these fucking morons who are, who are opposing um, this guy being allowed to, to remain open, they, they will be next. And they just don't understand it. Right. It's mind-blowing. No, yeah, nobody's forcing them to go. If you're uncomfortable no. going out to a bar, don't go. Right. Has All anyone, the city had to do is, you want, you want to play, play the game? Just hang a fucking sign up. City of Burbank says, here, enter at your own risk. Right. Well, that's, Has anyone know, tried uh, going, like, go out on some Antifa boards and, and show, tell them right. that the city of Burbank has not, like, doesn't have enough black people on their city council or something? I mean, <laughs> like, can we just get these groups to start working against each other? That would be right. nice. I mean, we, because we don't have logic. We don't have reality. Fauci was asked the other day, well, uh, Texas got rid of the masks mandates. Yeah. Uh, why, why is there no surge? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we have to look into that. We'll do more, we'll do more research. It yeah. may be. Probably give vaccine. Yeah. It may be that masks don't do anything. Yeah. When did Fauci get on this? That was, that was a great voice. <laughs> Oh, I have I have an interview of him uh, on YouTube about a three minute inter- interview with Fauci that uh, kind of blew up. Yeah, <laughs> his real his real thoughts on um, on the pandemic. It, it hasn't been deplatformed sure. yet. I'm, I'm any minute now. <laughs> right so now, find it while there. you can um, yeah. <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah, it's always something fun. There is always something fun going on, which is what we realized when we went from the one episode a week to two that. You know, there was a brief moment like, you know, I think you think we'll have enough stuff to talk about. Oh, not in these times. No, no. In these times, there is never a problem. There is plenty. And between what we're doing here, what you're doing on that Larry show, people can get all different aspects of this stuff. And I mean, you just tell better stories than we do. And uh, you have the the better voice. I mean, I'm stuck with Ryan. So, I mean, there's that. But uh now with the new microphone, I mean, he could sound like you. Just, if he just does a you little work, great. You sounded great, I, Ryan. You are. I, I'm I'm still working on getting the deep fakes working. I'm I'm going back through the old episodes of that Larry <laughs> Show to train my AI. <laughs> is that is that what you're doing? So you can just you can just you know have it convert your vo- voice on the fly. And uh, although if you could figure out how to do that, Larry could pump out a lot more shows with a lot less work. So. Uh, uh. That'd be a great idea. But thanks, Larry, for hanging out with us. I mean, I guess. Hey, guys, what an honor (laughs) to be, you know, at the beginning and now two years in and to you guys to put me in this seat for the anniversary show. I'm really honored, man. Thank you. It's so cool. I'm so glad 
you're you're doing shooting out the lights and enjoying the success really you deserve every bit of it thank you well we're shooting out the lights as long as we can keep our guns which <laughs> yeah just another topic for uh, for another show since that is now on biden's radar i know ryan mm. loves when he signs those executive orders so i'm sure yes uh, i'm sure we'll be talking about that come friday but yeah. in, in the meantime everybody should check out that larry show.com and uh check them out on uh, the mastodon uh, the, if you're on no agenda social he's there yes. but now that no agenda social is locked down for a while until they open up some new spots anybody with a mastodon account yeah. can get in on the fun you just do a search for that larry show at no agenda social.com uh <laughs> net ned wants to know is it the bass and larry's voice blowing out the lights yes that is there is there's no sweetening going on too i mean i, I could have probably done like a high pass or something just to cut that bass down because it's it's bringing the force yeah, just just wait until i learn how to use this channel strip and get my big bottom going <laughs> that is still the best name for an audio piece of gear ever the oral exciter yes the oral exciter there's something called it <laughs> yes the apex oral exciter i mean that's their trademark names but oh, apex boy. oral exciter with big bottom and it's like whoa oh man <laughs> i first heard adam curry talk about it and if you go back to some of those earlier no agendas when he was doing different different gear to produce it there's definitely more bass in his voice and that is due to the apex you know, the whole concept of the big bottom is it'll add a lot of bass, but it won't add volumes. You know, it won't add to the right. volume. So it it allegedly sounds more natural. And I think it does. And yes, it's A-U-R-A-L. Spelling is very okay. important yeah. when it when it comes down to that. But that's that's where the audio gear comes in. And this is why everybody needs to support the shows you like. So the audio gear could be good. Everything will sound awesome. And the shows could be produced in a timely manner. And, you know, that's why it's a it's a it's a haul to do shows on a regular schedule. And a it lot is. of podcasters fall when it comes. Man, down I to was that. so in your last episode, I was so I, I, I wasn't surprised by those those stats you quoted of the number of these millions of podcasts that never exceed one episode or even 10 episodes. And you're right. exactly right, because people, when they when they really roll up their sleeves and get into it, they realize it's a, it's a fuck ton of work. It really yes. is. But the media it, it tells us. <laughs> but I absolutely support everybody's ability to go find out for themselves. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, that's that's I, I'm totally fine with a ton of podcasts where somebody was like, I tried it. It's not for me. Great. But now, you know, when you were telling that story, I was reminded when I was a kid, there was a guy that lived uh, uh, nearby me in Queens. And he, um, he was an interesting guy. He was, he was pretty old back then. Depression era guy, kid. And he became a master plumber which is not just not somebody that's snake and drains. I mean, he'd sketch out the, you know, the plumbing for office buildings and stuff. That's some real skills there. Oh, big time. And, uh, we, we got to be, you know, I was like 10 years old and he was probably 80, you know, and we'd talk and <laughs> he told me about it when he was a kid in the depression You know, he was near starvation. His family was doing so poorly and he began his own little enterprise of he'd hang around the grocery stores and say, hey, you know, you got a lot of bags there. I'll, I'll take them to your front door. Let me lug them for a, a nickel or a dime, whatever it was, you know. And after a while, he, he was pretty busy, you know, and he's pocketing some decent change for those times. And then suddenly some, some, some local badasses said, hey, 
we're taking over your action or we'll break your fucking head, right? So what could he do, you know? And so he, he, he backed down. In a week, they were gone because the work was too hard. They didn't want to do it. He had his job back. <laughs> that makes sense. And that is yeah, gone. So- that is gone today because there's none of this stuff. I mean, in previous winters when, you know, the snow would come, you'd have kids going up and down the street looking to shovel for five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is. It's probably gone up a little bit. And the same thing with the lawn mowing in the summer. Yeah. Nowhere anymore. Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. Kids Paper don't. routes, you know. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I had the, the summer lawn mowing job for one summer. And then the next summer came along and had people going, are you going to do this again? I'm like, no, that was a lot of work. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go find something easy to do like sit at a keyboard you did i was gonna say you yeah. didn't use c++ to program a lawnmower to just do it automatically while you know what i had what i had was a crappy little push mower that was it was used it was like five horsepower um you know a, a 16 inch deck that i found for 30 bucks at a yard sale and just drove that around in a pickup truck and mowed a bunch of lawns Sounds like a good business. I mean, as long as you were priced right, the, you know, this was the kind of thing you could do back in the nineties before everybody had to be safe. Yes. Safe. Yes. <laughs> true. Yes. So true. We, we are. I remember, we, I remember the, the side of that mower, there's a big, like three inch spot where uh, everything that I ran over just got thrown out the side of the mower. Cause <laughs> right. I'd, I'd hit a rock that blew out the side and I'm like, I, I, yeah. I don't care. I'm not standing on that side of it. Right. But yeah, I had to, I had to make sure. That whenever I went over, I didn't point that side toward the house. If, right. Or something. Go right through the window. <laughs> you got projectiles coming out. Those machines yeah. were dangerous. <laughs> now parents won't let their kids oh, use them. Dangerous. It is the whole, it is the no. whole pussification of a society True. overall. Yeah. And it's sad because You're this right. is why we've got the problem. This I, is why no, the kids that don't mow the lawn are the ones that sit around going, oh, no, he said a word I don't like. Right. That's right. I had one other question I needed to ask you, Larry, and and it's because this has been on my mind for a while. And uh-huh. that is uh, what prompted the move to publishing on Wednesdays? <laughs> Why is it uh, messing up because, your system or what? Well, no, because great. because you had the most awesome sign off ever it was see you next Tuesday or thereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll tell you what happened. Um, it just sort of. Uh, it's just sort of morphed into it, Ryan, because what happened was I, I, I basically I, I do, I've always been something of a night owl. I always do my best work, um, late in the evening. And, um, it was just, I found myself putting my episodes up later and later and later, um, in the evening. So Tuesday just sort of became Wednesday. That's, that's really what happened. And but so I said, see you next Wednesday. It. The acronym doesn't even work. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a drawback, but you know, it just kind of happened organically. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's an opportunity missed there somewhere. You know, I think it was just because it was just because random thoughts was coming out on Wednesday and and Larry just wanted to be a part of that. That's it. That was a factor too. You take those two episodes, you book, you bookend them back to back. You got about an hour of content for the day that gives you everything you need to know. True. True. And you know, I loved your idea of you, of starting that, uh, um, a trading card rating service, Darren. I think that's an absolute winner. <laughs> well, yeah, know? because it's it's no transparency, whatever, none whatsoever. And as long as you've got Ryan, who's a coding genius, I mean, I'm thinking, 
Could you write something, Ryan, that would uh, that would in, that would encrypt audio on on you know on the on on my end and then decrypt it on the downloader's end and get a fee for that? I mean, because that's probably what we need, isn't it? To keep ourselves safe, ourselves safe I, from the moderators. There's no I safety. Mean, it, it sounds like work. It does sound like work. <laughs> and, <laughs> Too uh, much work. And, but I, I'm, I'm certain it's possible. And, and oh, our yeah. buddy DigiGuru has a question for you, Larry, if you want to answer it, which is, do you currently have a real job? Whatever that means in today's uh, society. Uh, I, uh, yes, yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, not in a nine to five sense, no, but uh, I'm always uh, involved in other uh, other activities of, uh, of a fiduciary nature. Yes. And that's the I, way, are, that's way like, business works now. Yeah. I, are we talking like under the table? Like, are you a crime lord? Are you <laughs> exactly. anything you're willing to mention on this show? <laughs> when, when, when Gotti was being El- mentioned, you know. <laughs> when they bagged El Chapo, they got the wrong yeah. guy. <laughs> should, should, oh. should, I, should I be referring to you as El Jefe? Yes. El Larry. <laughs> you, you do not mess with El Larry. We're friends. You can call me Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With that said, everybody, check out every Wednesday. That Larry Show, that Larry Show.com. Ryan and I will be back on Friday for another fun and exciting edition of Grumpy Old Bands as we start now into year number three. Wow, we're getting old. But with that said, thanks again, Larry. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where, you know, it's it's still crap. And from America's left coast, where I remain, as always, unflocked, I'm Ryan Bimrose. <laughs> Flock you. Be home!